Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good evening, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. This is kind of an impromptu, off-the-cuff issue. Um, basically, a gentleman by the name of Rudy Davis has asked me to uh, basically kind of have a debate or exchange of dialogue with him on the subject of the Venus Project, the Zeitgeist Movement, and the New World Order. Uh, he made a, uh, at least a really well put together um, YouTube video that I was given some time ago. Um, I, I would say it was good quality, at least as far as his presentation. I obviously didn't agree with the content, but um, it's actually my hope that it's possible that rather than even just this being a debate, that we might even just be able to come to some kind of understanding. Um, so in any case, uh, you know who I am. Um, I'm Neil Kiernan. Uh, known as VTV in various internet areas. Um, You can visit my website, vradio.org, v-radio.org. It's like v-radio. And therein you can check out my archives, which are various shows like this one. You can also go to my must-see TV section to see a long list of free documentaries that you can watch on the internet that are pertinent to the various things that we're trying to teach people with this radio show. Uh, full disclosure, I am in fact a, um, I'm the, one of the official spokesmen for the Venus Project. I talk to Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows on a regular basis, and also with Peter Joseph, I'm the editor of the Zeitgeist, one of the editors of the Zeitgeist Newsletter. So that being said, um, Rudy, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, sure, Neil, and I uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak with you tonight, and, and just to set up the context. Uh, my fiance had seen, I guess, uh, something of yours on Facebook, and she had got into communication with you. So she is the one who actually uh, suggested that I speak to you. So I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, I just want to, you to understand that I didn't even realize we would be talking until about a couple of hours ago. So when, when you said earlier that I asked to be on your show, uh, that is true, but it's through my fiance, and I wasn't even aware of you or your show. So uh, just to make sure the context is set up properly. But again, I, I, I do have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's Lone Star 1776, uh, and I do have a website for atheists to look at. Uh, it's got about 32 articles written by a man by the name of Matt Shape, and the goal of these articles is to convince atheists that there is a spiritual plane of existence and that you do have a soul. I'm, you know, I'm not going to hide the fact. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and a, and a Christian. But the, the website name, just real quickly, I'm not trying to sell you anything. There's nothing for sale on the site. It's blog. Dot RudyAaronDavis.com, and that's Aaron is spelled A-A-R-O-N, and that's R-U-D-Y. Okay, well, yeah, there's no problem with you with you pushing that stuff. I have all my guests tell everybody who they are and where to go to see more of what you do. So, right. You know, anybody particularly who's interested in the atheist versus Christian debate, I think you should definitely check out his YouTube video um, video set in his channel. So, um, anyway, that being the case, um, now. You basically voiced that you felt that uh, there was there was an evil system at work within this. Now, uh, first of all, I guess let's let's start off with um, I, I guess are you saying that most of your problem with what it is that we're doing is that is the atheist perspective that's presented in in Peter Joseph's films? Well, um, I, I I I did see the the Zeitgeist movie where. You attack the Christian religion, and in your opinion, it may, you may not use the word attack. You may say you're exposing it for its underpinnings of paganality. Uh, I disagree with that, but that's not the reason that I 
dislike or, you know, what I, I would consider uh, the zeitgeist uh, effort, uh, an evil effort or misguided or not to say the people that are following zeitgeist are evil people. I just think that it's, it's a misguided effort. And there's reasons why I believe that, but it doesn't have anything to do with my Christian faith. Um, it has to do with the fact that as I watched the Zeitgeist and did them, and I did a, I watched this maybe four months ago, so I'm going to be doing some of this from memory, so please be patient with me. Um, there was Ted Kaczynski, uh, and not Ted Kaczynski, but it's the, the attitude of, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember Ted Kaczynski, but the Unabomber, and there was, an, you know, Bill Joy wrote an article called uh, the, um, the Future Does Not Need Us, and the, the, the focus of that effort was machines will eventually be running the world, and, and Bill Joy with Sun Microsystems expressed concern over that. Ted Kaczynski was very concerned about that, too. Uh, and when I looked at the Zeitgeist Addendum video and I saw what you guys were doing, uh, it seemed like you're putting the scientific method and, um, you know, machines, uh, the sovereignty of machines over the spirit of man. And the reason I think, you, you know, you mentioned it before that you have many atheists joining your effort is because atheists believe that they have physical atoms in the brain and that that is, you know, the brain is the ultimate thing in the universe and there is no spiritual side of man. There's no soul. But I, see, I, I, do believe, I do believe that all of this can be boiled down to whether you believe there is a soul or not. And if you believe that man has a soul, then you believe that he has rights, inalienable rights from his creator, and that no society gives you those rights, but that you have those rights from a creator. And so I don't believe we should bow down to machines, but machines should bow down to man. Uh, I believe machines should be the tool of man. I'm not against the scientific method. I'm not against the technology. I'm not against all the wonderful things that we have as human beings. But I, I put the, the sovereignty of mankind above uh, machines, uh, and I, I don't think that machines should be telling human beings what to do. I do believe we should use them as a tool. But I, I, if I remember correctly, one of the things in the, in the Zeitgeist Addendum was we should delegate decision-making to machines, and I just I don't believe that you know we should bow down to the sovereignty of machines. That's one of the problems I have. Well, let's start with that one, if that's okay. You mind if sure. we pause there? Okay. Um, First of all, let me give you a couple of analogies that are more akin to what we mean by machines being involved in decision-making. I presume you have a thermostat in your house, right? Yes. When you, when you set your thermostat on, you know, your thermostat directly controls your air conditioning if you have it, your furnace if you have it. Most people have both. Um, if you set it at 70 degrees, then the thermostat will make the decision essentially artificially that it's going to turn on either your air conditioner or your furnace, depending on which one of those devices you have activated at the time. Okay, and that's an example of a machine making a decision on your behalf. Um, it's, not gonna, it's not ever going to come down, but I'm just using it as an example. It's not ever going to come down to, for example, no machine is going to tell you who you're going to marry. No machine is going to tell you what religion you're going to be. Not, not how, many how many children you can have? Will it ever tell me how many children I can have because of resources? No. Um, but we plan on actually handling, if we even get to a point where there's any kind of issue with population, we're pretty confident that just education of, well, the planet can provide for this many people, we shouldn't have many more children, will probably solve it. But one of the things with that is that um, Jacques Fresco, for example, believes that we can extend what he calls the carrying capacity of the planet far beyond even what it's doing right now through the proper application of technology. Uh, there's also one of the biggest things about what we're doing that is kind of critical to all of this is to understand that uh, the Venus Project, and this is brought up in Jacques' book, 
several times, the best that money can't buy. Uh, it, it does not advocate coercion or force ever for any reason at all. Um, not only because it's immoral, but it's also ineffective. You, you can't really affect social change through that. Let me ask you this regarding that, and uh, if I remember correctly, there was also a discussion about a prisonless, uh, uh, a prisonless society because there would be no need for prisons because, um, you know, all the crimes would be made to be such that society you could not commit a crime. An example would be if you was to get into a car and to try to speed, the car would be built so that you can't speed, and so there would be governors built all throughout society that would prohibit you from doing. Uh, you know, I would, you know, things outside of society that would endanger others. Um, is that is that a fair assumption, or is that? Uh, it's a bit more complicated than that. It depends on what you're talking about. If you're saying, for example, we might design vehicles so that they don't run people over, then yeah, that that's one example of that. But uh, for the most part, it's actually it's a totally different approach. Okay, it, it's not a matter of running around and using laws to tell people what to do. Laws are only effective if they're backed with force, and even then they're not, they've proven ineffective to truly get mankind to quote-unquote behave. You need to look at the root causes of bad behaviors and find ways to eliminate them, not by forcing people or pushing people around, but beginning to understand what would ever uh, provoke somebody to be interested in committing a crime in the first place. But almost well, all crime can be directly linked to scarcity. People in most, at least, even if it's not like, you know, they're stealing to eat, uh, most crimes are generally directly related to either stress, you know, created by the monetary system, or um, just basically a basic need. People become drug dealers because they need money to survive. You get rid of their, their needs to survive, they stop being drug dealers. Well, Neil, uh, again, you're making... You're making some points there, and I, I, you know, I respectfully disagree about the scarcity thing. Let me give you an example, and, and you tell me if, if it's a bad example. But uh, you say all crimes are, well, not all crimes, but you said the majority of crimes are, um, you know, instituted because of scarcity of the resources. And I think that's where we have a fundamental difference, as you view humankind and as I view humankind, um, because, and again, I'm just going to tell you the way I see it straightforwardly, and not not try to catch my words, but you see mankind because if, if you are an atheist, and, you know, I hate to always go back to atheism because we're concentrating on side guys, but if you are an atheist, you see mankind as someone who, you know, that, that is the epitome of the universe. And I see mankind as a sinful, a, a sinful creature and as a sinner. And so regarding the scarcity issue, pedophiles and rapists, I mean, uh, that can occur no matter how many, you know, even if there's only two people on the planet, right? You can have uh, that sort of thing. So I believe that mankind is a sinful creature and that there are sins that man can create that have nothing to do with scarcity. And, and eliminating scarcity, if that was actually to happen, would actually uh, not solve the problem of, of man's sinful nature. The, the other thing, too, is it sounds like, you know, when you talk about uh, this uh, environment of no scarcity, that it's this utopia. And... Uh, you probably know, if you remember from the video that I made, I'm a fan of Ayn Rand, and Ayn Rand, I should say, if I pronounce it properly, but she was an atheist, and I'm still a big fan of hers. Um, the reason I'm a fan of hers is because she talked about individualism, and, and, and she talked about, you know, the problems with this utopia that Russia, communist Russia, was trying to build, and in five years, it was going to be better, but the masses would continue to work to make the utopia, and in five years, it's going to be better, 
but it was always going to be in five years it's going to be better. And I'm concerned when you talk about we're going to eliminate scarcity, that we're going to put ourselves into this utopia where we'll constantly be working to get there, but the elite people who program the machines and who, you know, there's got to be somebody that at, at the top of the site guide system that's programming the machines and making the decisions at least initially, and they'll say, well, we'll get there in five years. But what if we don't get there in five years? And then the masses continue to work and drudge, and, 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 and they'll say, well, keep working, guys. We'll get there in another five years. So I, I, the two Maybe. fundamental things. I'm sure, sorry, go ahead. Sure. No, I'm just, I want to make sure that I don't lose the initial point. First, let's talk about, uh, you brought up um, inherently sinful nature of man, and that is the cause of child molestation and rape. Um, actually, well, I, mean, I think there, there's other causes, but I, I do believe that in the fundamental uh, view that man is sinful, like, you know, has a sinful nature. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Um, what do you believe, then, uh, are the inherent causes of child molestation and rape? What, what do you think creates those phenomena? You, do, you, um, do you have a metaphysical belief? Do you think it's Satan? Do you, I, mean, I, do, I absolutely believe in the existence of Satan and his influence in the world. Mm-hmm. I believe um, that a lot of it has to do with the environment. Uh, I believe we have influences from our environment and from the role models we set up, uh, the things that we allow in public and on our televisions, um, the things that we allow as a society. And, and so uh, not only that, but I, I believe that, you know, there, there is a, uh, a tendency of man to be sinful in nature and that if we don't look to an almighty, a God Almighty, one who is higher than man, that, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to get out of that uh, state. Uh, it's, it's impossible to get out of that state. And so that's why the, the importance of God Almighty let me, let me pause you here um, just so I can respond. Okay, now, things that we allow on television, okay, uh, stimuli, okay, that's, that this kind of comes back to our theory about where behavior comes from, okay. Um, there's a reason, for example, why uh, you know, some people talk about child pornography and why it needs to be illegal, and the reason for it is because a lot of child, you know, child molesters talk about the stimuli that they got from that kind of material having an impact on why they decided to pursue, you know, that kind of evil thing that they did. We we'll use the word evil. Um, that's kind of an example of what we need about environment creating behavior. Um, it, it's not to say that, you know, obviously, I mean, we oppose any kind of crimes where anybody gets hurt ever, okay? But the issue, though, is how can you effectively solve that problem? Well, you, you can solve it or at least curb it a great deal by controlling the environment in such a way that such negative behavior just does not have the propensity to exist in the first place. Now, that's kind of what I was getting at is that you pointed out television, okay, television, the society in general. You see, because this is another thing, you know, in one culture, what is child molestation is accepted as normal. You know, you can go to another culture where having sex with a child is totally normal. And I don't agree with that by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Muhammad, Muhammad uh, was betrothed to a six-year-old and had sex with her at nine years old, according to the Quran. That's not even a contested thing among uh, devout Islamic people, right? So. Well, I, you know, we can, we can get into the Islamic debate at, at some point, too, but, but, but the issue is, though, that you understand what I'm saying. In some cultures, it's not uncommon for that to happen. Um, in China, for example, you could marry, it was generally kind of known that you, you generally marry a girl who's a lot younger than you are. Um, and, uh, and just quickly, uh, the short-term memory thing is hitting me as well, and I wanted to make a quick point before I lose it. The, the, okay. phrase, that you, the phrase that you used earlier about controlling the environment, chills go through my spine when I hear 
you say that. I, I don't want to have to control mankind. I do think that we should have, you know, no pedophilia and no child uh, pornography on television. Absolutely. There are certain, but when you use it, I, I'm concerned that you're, you're, you're talking about taking it to a whole new level where, you know, where you're treating mankind as an organism without a soul and you're going to condition him as some sort of psychiatry experiment. No, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Um, but that, that's kind of one of the reasons why I said initially that we don't believe in coercion. Um, it's important that you understand that anything that I'm suggesting to you um, would only ever be, ever happen in a society of people who are freely deciding to associate with what it is that we're doing. I can't go to your house and decide that I'm going to control the environment in your house. If I'm part of a Venus Project community, then that means the people within that community have decided we're not going to have child pornography because we don't we, we notice the propensity for it to create child molesters. So we have decided <laughs> not to have that. And if you don't like that, you can leave the community and go somewhere else. That's how we yeah. think about it. Okay, well, that, that sounds very fair. I mean, I'm, I'm all about uh, free moral agents joining groups that they seem to think that they found a, a group of like-minded people. My concern as a Christian joining your group is I'm going to preach the Word of God, both the good and the bad, and not preach the Word of God. I'm not a preacher, but I'm going to stand for it and advocate it. And I'm concerned that, you know, there will be some people in your organization that aren't going to like that. I mean, uh, They're free to not like it. It's none of their business. You're free to do whatever you want. <laughs> what, what, what about, uh, you know, again, we, this is going all over the place, but, you know, let's, if, if I come into that guy and I talk about the, the, word, the, the Bible's position on homosexuality or uh, – you know, the Bible's position on, you know, there's a wide variety of things that are controversial nowadays. So I guess I could espouse that in a psychic environment and, uh, you know, nobody's going to try to control me as an environment to server or to center? No, 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 nobody would do that. But on the same token, we wouldn't advocate you trying to control anybody else's environment either. Yeah, I mean, your opinion about, you know, homosexuality, for example, is your own opinion, and therefore you, of course, have the right not to partake of homosexuality. Uh, not to let anybody, you know, into your personal space who is homosexual, as long as it doesn't ever right. become, hold on, as long as it doesn't ever become, uh, well, I now think that, you know, I'm going to force this guy not to live with this guy because I don't approve of their relationship. As long as you don't no. try to take your beliefs and turn them into a theocratic element, you know, I'm sure you're... you're yeah, really I, I, you know. yeah, that theocracy, absolutely. And I don't believe in a theocracy, and I don't believe that... Uh, I, as a Christian, should force my ideas on any uh, anybody. Whether you know, like you said, I do not want to force anybody to live a certain lifestyle. You know, the, you know, the, being a Christian is a matter of a personal decision where you come to God on your own free will and you, you seek first the kingdom of God. But uh, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I would just be concerned that you know, as part of a Christian, I would want to proselytize. I once had an Islamic friend uh, tell me that. You know, he wants to live in America, but uh, if we go preach Christianity and Islam, that it's, it's basically like pissing next to where you eat. I'm not saying that Zygots would be like that, but if, if, if it sounds like you're okay with everybody believing a certain way, just don't proselytize it to the point where you can convince others. And I do want to convince others. I'm not ashamed about that, and I'm not apologizing for that. I do want to convince no, you're, others. You're free to say whatever you want. They're free to not yeah. listen if they don't want to. Right. If they, if, they, if they tell me to shut up and they don't want any part of it, then I, you know, I shake the dust off my feet and I move on. So, let, me uh, explain, let me explain, because there's a point that you brought up, I think, would also help you understand our position on no coercion. Okay? Um, right. The most compelling Christians that I have ever met, I was Christian at one time, the only Christians who have ever made me think about ever being Christian again are the Quakers, 
and a very nice gentleman who was at my home just yesterday, actually, uh, who ironically was a Jehovah's Witness, but he was a very nice person um, and very intellectual and very respectful, okay? Um, those people compel me to consider to change based on example. All of the best Christians that I've ever met were people who could influence other people through the example of them not just saying the words, but, but living the life, okay? Amen to that. Amen to that. There's a very good... Um, Western that you should watch, I mean, being from Texas, um, it's a John Wayne Western, and it's called Angel and the Bad Man, okay? Um, okay. You should go, it's, you can get it in public domain, it's black and white, but it's probably the best John Wayne film I've ever watched. It's about him meeting a group of Quakers, and they were really good Christian people, and they influenced him to change himself. He did not, they did not do any fire and brimstone, they didn't shout any verses at him. Just by being who they were, they changed the kind of person he was. And that was effective, okay? What's not effective, and, I, and I'm not saying you support this by any means, for example, you know, would be for a Christian to do something like protest a military funeral. Uh, right. You know, no, we're, we're, we're in agreement on this, no doubt. It, 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 you're living a life uh, that shows an example to others in the world, and the love of Christ shines through you. So I'm totally in agreement with you on not making free moral... God gave us free will. We're free moral agents. But having said that, um, you know, I, I don't want anybody to, uh, you know, tell a Christian or a Christian group that they can't proselytize and live through example and, you know, have television stations, radio stations, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, you know, as long as we're, when, when we use the phrase controlling the environment, not, uh, uh, you know, talking about, you know, shutting down the Word of God, then, hey, I, I don't have a problem with that aspect of it. Not only will we not shut you down, you'll get equal time and use the resources that you don't have to pay for in order to proselytize any way you want. It doesn't mean that anybody is required to listen to you, and it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we'll allow it to affect policies that other people are governed by. But you're free to do whatever you want. And I can tell you that I am agnostic-leaning atheist, but I also would have nothing to do with this movement if it was in any way, uh, you know, even theocratic in an, you know, an atheist sort of way. We have no right to tell you what you can and cannot believe, can and cannot say. We can ask you not to do it in our homes. We can ask you not to do it, you know, on our forums, for example. You know, there are specific areas for discussing that sort of thing. You may not get the kind of reception you're hoping for. But, if, you know, but we would ask you not to do it in such a way that's going to disrupt other conversations that people are having. But that's our right on our property. As a libertarian, I'm sure you understand that. So, so overall, though, uh, Absolute freedom of thinking is critical to what we believe, period. Um, and if we're right, we, what would we be afraid of? The only kinds of people that need to be, you know, tyrannical and try to control the thoughts of others are people who know in some way that they're wrong. Um, in, in our lifestyle, you know, for example, I could very easily see a Christian resource-based economy system, okay, because you're basically looking at, you know, using modern technology to produce all of your electricity, to help you grow your crops, to help you, you know, with your homes and, you know, and to be efficient. And honestly, when you think about it, I think something that would really appeal to you about it is that it's absolute freedom because you're not just free from a state, not just free from an oppressive state. You're free from a boss. You're not dependent on anybody. That's the kind of world that we're talking about. We're talking about a world where everybody can you know, have everything that they need as provided by the planet. Whether you believe that comes from God or not isn't even relevant at that point. If you and, and let, 
Yep. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I mean, it's, I'm sure that you're familiar with off-the-grid living, right? Yep. Okay, so if a community of people get together and they decide to live off the grid, well, their need for money kind of goes away. You know, so, but, and if they're all doing it, you know, willingly, then that's their right. You know, if an individual chooses to go off by himself, set up a solar panel array, a you know, geothermal heating and cooling system, nothing evil about that, right? Right. So what, what you're effectively saying is that that guy's uh, policy was in control of the world. Uh, you wouldn't have gone into the Waco, Waco compound and sprayed the children uh, with gas and shot them. Uh, and shot bullets into the compound, that, you know, which is a good thing. I'm all for that. I can tell you that, uh, uh, to, more to the point, I have done radio shows about the Waco incident, and I get physically angry when I talk about it. So yeah. um, uh, suffice it to say, uh, absolutely not would we ever be involved in anything like that. That's one of the reasons why we're trying to get out of the need for laws and, you know, all of that is because, once you get in the need for laws, well, then you have the need for people like the ATF. Um, <laughs> right, you know, right. And, and then they have budgets because there's so much money involved. That whole thing was a big budget off. You know, they yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, the, the name of the operation was Showtime, and they had cameras everywhere. Of course, all the film disappeared when uh, the public asked to see it. Right. <clears throat> but but let, me throw, let me throw another thing in for uh, the conversation, because I think I, I have maybe another difference that uh, I have you know, that you, you, may, you may share, uh, I'm not sure of your position on it, but you, you, we both probably agree that the capitalistic system of today is on the verge of financial collapse. It's, it's corrupt to its core, uh, and uh, that's at least my opinion. And it, it's not, but I'll, I'll go on to say that I don't think the capitalistic system in and of itself is the problem. I think if you put corruption in any system, whether it be capitalism, socialism, communism, fascism, Nazism, you put corruption in a system, and that uh, is what causes the system to crumble, as I think we are on the verge of. Uh, I don't know how, you know. Well, I'm not we, saying, we certainly agree that there, no, it's fine. We certainly agree that there's going to be a collapse. The, the issue is um, what creates the corruption. Now, for us, we believe that the things that all of these systems have in common that causes corruption inevitably is a monetary system. Um, the things that we're dealing with right now, you know, it's just to say, for example, you know, uh, free market capitalism and the way that it is described, and I was a libertarian delegate, I ran as a Congress for a libertarian, I do know what a free market is. Um, even if, you know, if you absolutely had that, we think that what you're dealing with now is just kind of the inevitable, this is what ends up happening eventually, these systems get corrupted. Communism, in its original form, um, does not have any elites. There's not supposed to be any small group of people telling everybody what to do. That's not in the write-up for communism at all, but it's what happened. Okay. Right, because, because you have this, it'll be better in five years, and you have to have the elite for, for the transition, which never occurs. Right. And, and I, w I would just quickly offer while it's on my mind that, you know, we talk about capitalism. I believe in a thing called laissez-faire capitalism, which offers three valid functions of government, uh, and that is a judicial system, a police force, and a national defense. Everything else can be done by private enterprise, and I think that it's not the monetary system, although I, I'm a huge hater of the Federal Reserve. I believe the Federal Reserve is the single worst institution in the whole world with a, a, a close second is Monsanto. But having said that, I don't believe it's the money itself that will lead to evil. It is giving – we have to have some sort of system. I don't believe either one of us are anarchists. You don't believe in anarchy. I don't believe in anarchy. We have to have some sort of government. So having said that, I need the smallest government that we can get by with that, you know, that will have the least chance of 
corruption. Now, that corruption doesn't, it doesn't just need money. I believe that the corruption comes from the people. And that's why, uh, you know, I think where our fundamental view differs. I believe you can have a monetary system and have a small form of government, the republic that our founding fathers, you know, worked to have in the beginning of this country, and, uh, you know, protect the rights of the individual and still have, you know, the voting of the majority. And I just believe that that's the proper way to build a society. I believe it's the only only free and moral and ethical way to build a society, not, you know, to be given uh, whatever resources are available and to get to some utopia that I'm very concerned about that we'll never get to. Well, first of all, um, most of the aspects that would be necessary for said quote-unquote utopia already exist. The technology already exists. That's one of the reasons why I was bringing up off-the-grid living. What we're suggesting is a world where off-the-grid living then becomes the norm, where entire communities can be off-the-grid, where yeah. all of your goods and materials are renewable and green. Um, that's the goal. Uh, as far as, like, you know, I understand, trust me, I, I know what laissez-faire capitalism is all about, and I've done several shows about it. The yeah. reason that we think that the money is the problem is because uh, there's kind of an attitude that comes along with money. As soon as you have something like money to represent what, what is needed to live, then you have the ability to have more of it than everybody else. And in some cases, you have the ability to take it from other people. Now, now I understand why you hate the Federal Reserve. And what I generally yeah. tell people who tell us, well, we can just go back to sound money. I usually say again. Yeah. You know, we're going to do it again. You know, like if you watch The Money Masters, that movie is about three hours long, and it's just nothing but examples of how the central banking seat scheme just keeps coming back over and over and over and over. And to us... You know, it's kind of like the car that breaks down every time you drive it. Eventually, you kind of need to move on and pass something. You need to get something better. And that's why we feel that you need to, we need to get beyond the need for money. We need to get to the point where the needs of people are met through the technology that already exists, and, and that way people are not dependent on a job. You know, as it is right now, the, the companies that are in charge of everything don't care if you have a job. And quite a point of fact, they're hoping you won't. They have guys who spend all of their time doing nothing but finding ways to eliminate jobs or automate jobs through technology or outsource jobs to places where they can take advantage of other people who are so desperate, usually because they were manipulated to be desperate, and I'll get into that in a second, um, in their sweatshop factory. It's, and now, mind you... Whoops, sorry about that. Okay. Mind you... Um, and can, I, can I make a quick point about money, just real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. so uh, we, I think we have to make a distinction about money, and I think you made it already, but just to re reemphasize the point, there's a huge difference between a fiat money system, which gives uh, the people at the top an unlimited ability. And I don't know if you've read The Creature from Jack Lawlin by G. Edward Griffin, but in, in my opinion, it's an incredible book. Uh, it talks about how a fiat money system uh, can come together with uh, the politicians and the evil bankers, and together they come together and they can control the world. If you've ever played any role-playing game, and I, I, I'm ashamed to admit I did a few years back and I've stopped for the last three years, but you get into these World of Warcraft or, or what are these things these kids play nowadays, um, Final Fantasy, these type of things. But if there were players in the game that had an unlimited money supply, you know, that no matter how much money they spent, uh, their, their, their counter always said nine, 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 nine. Because no matter how much money they spent, they always had the maximum amount of money. Eventually, these players would have everybody else, uh, you know, dancing uh, to the Yellow Rose of Texas out in the middle of the square because they could manipulate their behavior. But I think that's what we're having in our society today with this fiat money. So I do agree with you from the perspective that fiat money is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But your answer is to protect the people from themselves by creating an environment 
where it's controlled either by machines or the scientific method? And my answer is, let's go back to an honest money system. It sounds like you're saying we've already tried that, and I, I would offer that, yeah, we did try that, and the corruption of man uh, came into play. You know I'm a Christian, so I believe that it, it came into play because we turned away from God. I would like to see us try it again because I believe that's the only way that we can build a free and moral society. Uh, I, I, even though it's been tried in the past, we've got to get back to an honest money system and not some system where the fiat people can, you know, manipulate the rest of the world's behavior at, at their whim. Uh, and, and we just disagree and fundamentally on how to, how to stop these people, I think. Well, let me, let me say what the good news is. The good news is, is we oppose the Federal Reserve just as much as you do. I mean, I, I thought you would have known you wouldn't have had to explain all that. You've seen Zeitgeist Adenda, and we talk about yeah. the currency quite a bit. Um, and the other part of the good news is, is that if you just choose to have such a experiment where you go back to you know, sound currency and a free market enterprise system, none of us are going to stop you. And we don't advocate anybody showing up at your house to try to stop you. In fact, I work closely with a libertarian free market group that wants to create small communities that you know, are freedom-minded and, and respect each other's rights. Um, and we acknowledge that we have differences in the monetary way we would like to achieve freedom, but we also acknowledge that we're not enemies. Um, right. I, I think that the enemy here is actually, this is one of the reasons, you know, and I, I wanted to get into this, and I, I'd like you to at some point take another look at Ayn Rand. I don't know, I, I know you said you really like her, but it, it kind of surprised me that as a Christian you would appreciate her philosophy. Well, as well, a, you, you bring up a good point about Ayn Rand, and let me ask you this to kind of set uh, my expectation where your, where your position is, but do you believe that people that work harder should get more in life? Um, I think that uh, we should instead try to find a way so that people don't have to work hard anymore. Uh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, wow. Um, see, I don't, I don't envision, a, I mean, I'm just speaking from my perspective, right? And I'm not, I'm not claiming to speak from other people's perspective except my own. I just, I just don't want to – I can't envision an environment where uh, I, I would want to work. I would want to improve my mind. I would want to – Oh, that's different. That's different. But, but when you improve your mind, it comes through working. I mean, self-esteem is through uh, – it's not, not 100%, but a lot through achievement. Uh, when, you, when you work to better yourself, you work to accomplish things, as inventors, right, we, we invent things in society. Mm -hmm. The thing that made America great was when we had an open society where inventors could invent and a free enterprise system that rolled all the inventions that you're going to depend upon to build your zeitgeist society. Well, let me say this, because actually we've, we've talked about this more than once, but most of the great inventors of time actually were not generally motivated by money. The man who made the polio vaccine, they asked him who the vaccine belonged to, and he said it belongs to mankind. I made this for mankind. There, there will still be work. The difference is, it's like, you won't be working to make some guy who sits on his butt all day and happens to be lucky enough to own a piece of paper that says he owns the means of production for a plant or a factory. You won't be working to make him richer. You'll be working, you know, for example, you could be working to maintain your own self-sustaining systems, or because you have self-sustaining systems and you're not working for some pointless job, you have more time to do the things that you want to do like research, development, um, the bettering your, yourself and mankind is actually the core principle of motive. Um, there's actually a really good little piece that you can get uh, done by a guy named Daniel Pink, and he pointed out that, um, they, that MIT did a study and found out that uh, money as an incentive 
uh, was great for, you know, for just dumb work, like, you know, factory-style work where you're just doing the same thing over and over again, but it was terrible for any kind of intellectual work. The intellectual work is mostly done by people who do things like, you know, open-source technologies, like, uh, you know, giving away things like Linux, you know, so that people can have a free operating system that they don't have to pay for. And basically, though, what I was trying to get at is, um, like, in fact, this came up in an episode of Star Trek once, um, where they went back and they grabbed these guys, or basically there was a satellite they came across. There were all these people from the 20th century. And one of the people in there was a businessman, and he was really concerned about his portfolio and where all of his money was. And Picard spent the entire episode trying to explain to him, look, you don't need it anymore. And he's like, okay, well, I want it. He's like, okay, well, all right, but we've eliminated that. You don't need it anymore. And then by the end of the episode, he's like, well, then what moves mankind? And he's like, bettering yourself, you know, becoming, you know, you know, exploring, things like that. You know, the whole reason for being in the Federation was you know, basically them bettering themselves. Because, I mean, they had, you know, they had nanotechnology, the highest bidder, they could, I mean, the highest order. They could create things with, tra- you know, with their, um, the replicators. So it, like, there was no point in working at all. But people still did it because they wanted to better themselves. That's the kind of work we want to see people doing more of. We don't want to see you wasting your time flipping burgers in some restaurant to make some guy rich. We want to see you working on the things that you want to work on, the things that, you know, really make mankind better. And all the greatest accomplishments, you know, like as far as like medicine, you know, technology, honestly, there are a lot of people I know. For example, the whole reason I'm not a robotics engineer right now is because I can't afford it. The money system didn't make me able to pursue my dreams. That's only for the lucky, really. I mean, I don't want to say just for the lucky. Some people work their asses off to get a college education one way or the other, and then they, they get into stuff. But the reality is, is you're always hindered by, well, man, am I going to be able to make any money doing this? You know, it, it takes a big dump on everything. It takes a dump on the quality of music. It takes a dump on the quality of products. You know, you know people are not as concerned about anything other than the profit motive. And that's what I'm trying to say to you is, is that there will be work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we do have to design things. We do have to, you know, I mean, actually, this is another excellent example is charity work. You know, if I could get up right now and go help them build a, you know, a hydroponic farm system in Africa to help those people eat, I'd do it. You know why I can't? Well, the first reason I can't is because I can't get up and leave my house. I have children. You know, we need money, et cetera, et cetera. I have to be here. So that's what's preventing me from doing the kind of work that I'd like to do. You know, that- well, and, 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 and again, Go ahead. Uh, from my perspective, I think you've made some valid points, but the points, I think you're blaming it on uh, money, and, and, and it's, 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 it's specifically fiat money that has driven this system into an absolute debauchery. And by that, I mean when you say, uh, you know, I would like to do a particular endeavor in the world, but I can't because I've got to uh, – and I know this probably applies to a lot of college kids. Not, not, you know, if a college kid is coming up and he says, well, I would like to do this. This is really my passion, but it doesn't make any money, so I've got to go do this other thing. And that's a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if we had an honest money system that uh, wasn't driven by uh, the elite that, you know, preached propaganda and, and these – schools that just fill up our young people's minds with, you know, they put them in cubicles and they put them in debt and they treat them like, you know, batteries in the matrix. Uh, you know, going back to money, I do not think, you know, an honest money system is, is bad at all. And I think that if you think that just humans will, you know, out of their own love of their fellow man, uh, make a better world, I, I, I just, I can't see that. An example would be, let's say, uh, Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, right? He, 
Uh, he painted the wonderful Sistine Chapel, but I'm pretty sure he got paid by that by the church. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he did. I don't know if we would have that. I mean, he did that because he had a talent, and he wanted to use his talent. Um, maybe it was through force of the church. Maybe, maybe that's another example of tyranny. I'm not sure, but yeah, take anybody who's talented, right? In this phrase, all men are created equal. It sounds really wonderful, but God brings down his talents differently on each of us. Some of us are better artists. Some of us are better mechanics. Some of us have talents for this. And we should be able to use those talents in an honest money system to make an honest living. And I'm just, I'm just very concerned when we blame the root of society's debauchery on just money in itself. It's not the money. It's the people that print the fiat money, and they control the rest of it. I, I think I understand where you're coming from. You're, you're trying to say that you think just if we had a, a, a sound currency that was, that was fixed on the amount of it that there was, that all of this would go away? That, you know, well, it wouldn't be perfect, but it would be a lot better than we have today. And the, 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 the question boils down to, I think, that we both agree the system is, is terrible now and that we both agree that when you introduce corruption into a system, that that corruption uh, is the problem. And I, I shouldn't say you agree with that, but I do anyway. It, it's the corruption that makes the system bad, not the money. So in my opinion, we should build a system that limits the potential of the corruption, not takes away the money. It sounds like you're saying if we take away the money, the, the spirit of man will be unleashed and we'll all help each other and we'll spread the resources out equally and uh, you know we'll, we'll build environments to control one another. And I'm... I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Neil, I'm really not, but I just believe that if, if we put a sound money system and then the people were able to use God's talent effectively without the influence of the elite on top controlling us through our desire to provide for our families, provide food for our loved ones, and uh, you know, even get ahead. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get ahead. I told you I'm a fan of Anne Rand, which may surprise many of you because she was a devout atheist. But I do believe those who work harder, uh, and those who have been given talent should get more of whatever resources there are available. And, and if they're godly people and if they, if they aspire to the kingdom of God, they're going to use those resources to turn around and help their fellow man and do so in a way that doesn't bring glory to themselves but brings glory to God. But I strongly believe that those who, who have been given more talents by God should get more. And, and that's, I'm not a, apologizing for saying that. I believe that if you work harder, you should get more. There's a, there's a very good article by David Crockett. If you get a chance to Google it on the Internet, it's called It's Not Yours to Give. And it talks about the evilness of governments giving away the people's money uh, when they don't have it to give away. And it, it, the, the knowledge didn't come from a fancy intellectual guy up in a professor in a, in a university. It came from a farmer. And it's a true story. And I believe that some of our you know, deepest wisdom comes from you know, just average people and farmers and our founding fathers. And even Andrew Jackson made a, a comment about uh, you know, God brings down his talent uh, effectively, and if governments, uh, I've got it here, um, I have to look it up, but it's, it's a very good quote by Andrew Jackson, and it talks about our talent. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll permit me, and I don't want to waste your time, I could just read a part of it. it says, no, 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 hold on, hold on just a second, though. Let me ask you this, just because I, I do want to hear you out, but um, do, do you mind if I extend the show length so that we can, because we're down to 16 minutes, and I, I think we still have a lot of ground to cover. Other than, sure. I mean, I know you said earlier you were you were limited in time, but I can I can extend the show very easily if you give me. Okay, a sure, uh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, you go ahead and read while I do this. Okay, all right. Uh, so this is a quote from Andrew Jackson, uh, and uh, if you get a chance, I would ask if anybody's listening to please look it up and read it because I think it has some very powerful messages. And I'll just, I'll read it here on on the air. It says it is to be regretted that the rich and powerful too often bend the acts of government to their selfish purposes. 
Distinctions in society will always exist under every just government. Equality of talent, of education, or of wealth cannot be produced by human institutions. In the full enjoyment of the gifts of heaven and the fruits of superior industry, economy, and virtue, every man is equally entitled to protection by law. But when the laws undertake to add to these natural and just advantages artificial distinctions to grant titles, gratuities, and exclusive privileges, to make the rich richer and the potent more powerful, the humbler members of society, the farmers, mechanics, and laborers, who have neither the time nor the means of securing like favors to themselves, have a right to complain of the injustice of their government. Now, this is the last sentence. There are no necessary evils in government. Its evils exist only in its abuses. If it would confine itself to equal protection, and as heaven does, its reign, shower its favors alike on the high and the low, the rich and the poor, it would be an unqualified blessing. So I'm, I'm all for, uh, like I said, a laissez-faire form of government, but I'm not for a fiat money system, and I'm, I think our government is so corrupt uh, because of the fiat money system that we don't shower uh, the favors of government on everybody alike. We shower the favors of government on those who, you know, lobby for it and the rich and the powerful, and that's the problem that we're into today. So. I understand your hatred for a money system. I also share it, but I, I would specify in my particular view it's the fiat money system. I want to get it back to an honest money system. Okay, well, um, let, let me focus first of all on what motivated me most to, to want to talk to you about this because, I mean, we can go round and round about the subject of, of what you're talking about and what I'm talking about. I don't really think that at its core your vision um, and my vision are, are, are evil. I don't, I don't think we're doing evil here, and that's – so, Do you think there is such a thing as evil? Many atheists I've talked to believe there is no such thing as truth, and that evil is the conception in the mind, and, you know, your truth is different than my truth, and there is no absolute. But I, I think, Personally, I can tell you that um, this is how, this is the kind of person I am. Um, I, I use the words agnostic-leaning atheist because that's the easiest way for me to give you a notion of what it is that I think or believe. Um, but I don't allow anybody or any label to define who I am. <clears throat> I, I am my person. Amen to that. Yeah, the, word, the, word, the word Christian has so many meanings out there nowadays. I can see why a lot of people in our society, you say the word Christian, they just want to puke. I can understand that. That's why I try to say a more descriptive term, like I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, so. One of the things that I would say that, um, that kind of concerns me, and especially about Ayn Rand, <clears throat> and I remember as a libertarian, I, I used to be part of that thing, and man, those people venerated Ayn Rand, and Ron Paul used to be one of my heroes, and named one of his sons after her, and the, the problem I have, though, is, is that when you study, if you're worried about, worried about the New World Order, um, if you really study Ayn Rand, and you get to the heart of a lot of what she's talking about, um, particularly, like, some of her fantasies about, uh, <clears throat> i trying to remember which, one of her books, in one of her books, they have a strike of the mind where the, the rich people get together they sabotage the infrastructure. Uh, and well, uh, let, me, let me just, I wouldn't say the rich people. I would say the producers and achievers. See, the rich, it's another one of those labels, right? I'm not against all rich people. Uh, I think that a huge amount of the rich people in this world today have obtained their wealth through corrupt means. But it wasn't just the rich people in that book, uh, the Atlas Shrugged, I believe you're referring to. It was the producers and achievers, those who uh, produce and achieve things in life. And, 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 and to say that they were the rich people who were taking advantage of the masses, uh, I, I don't see them as, because rich implies they were evil already because it's what most people think about rich people. But I, I'm not against all rich people. If somebody works their butt off and strives and, and does hard and, 
does it honestly, I, I applaud him. I stand up. I say, hey, that's great, guy. I wish I could be like you. <laughs> right. Well, do you think that it's Christian to retain large quantities of wealth when there are people who are starving or haven't been taken care of? No, I believe God told us to go out and, and help the poor, and but I don't believe, I do believe that it, it is Christian to, to work and to put yourself in a position to make a lot of money, right? There's nothing wrong with making a lot of honest money, and then using that as God calls you to use it, whatever that may be. He may, he may want you to turn around and, and like you said, help, help our brothers in Africa, help the poor, but to, to, for the government to hand that out, and this is spelled out very clearly in that David Crockett article called It's Not Yours to Give, uh, it's, not, it's not a government place to take money away from the producers and achievers and to forcefully give it to the poor. It, 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 that, that's like stealing. It, it, God doesn't come in and take my tithe. It's, give, it's given willfully, and it should be given willfully from the individual who created it honestly, not taken from them at the point of a gun or at the point of, a, of, of a, some law. And, and No, I, I'm familiar. I'm familiar. I, I understand where you're coming from completely. Um, let me say that uh, we also don't really generally believe in, obviously, any kind of forced charity situation, but... Um, this is the reason we're not socialists, I might add. Um, yeah. We would rather see, you know, if you're gonna, if you want to go help somebody, though, uh, just giving them a meal for the day or something is not a way to do it. We would rather. You teach a man how to fish instead of giving him a fish. Absolutely. That's actually the case, and in many cases, sometimes these people live in circumstances that would make it very difficult to fish. So then you teach them other things. Give you an example. Of, there's a film called Garbage Warrior that I watched recently, and they had a. Garbage Warrior is about an architect, basically, who helps people make very inexpensive, green, self-sustaining homes um, that use very little energy and are very efficient. Um, and when they had that hurricane that uh, blew up, like, I, don't, I use the word blow up, but basically some islands in the area, they went out there and taught those people how to make self-sustaining buildings that retained water, that helped to purify the water, um, you know, that were able to heat and cool themselves. And that's the kind of solution we would rather see as opposed to just tossing some fiat or any kind of currency in their direction, because that doesn't solve anything anyway. Uh, Absolutely. We're, we're in agreement on that point. I would, I would only offer if, if, if this garbage warrior was not funded by the government and if that was a group of like-minded individuals that wanted to help these people in need, we're in total agreement. That, that would, that, that's a wonderful thing for them to do. I applaud their work. It was very virtuous. Uh, not only did the government, I, just so you know, not only did the government not fund him, they tried to shut him down. Right. Yeah, that's the problem with the government we have nowadays, no doubt. You know, so I guess but to finish my point about what I was saying about Ayn Rand is that all the stuff that I've studied about her, and when you consider that, uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, but uh, um, Alan Greenspan was part of her inner circle. He was a huge... Yeah, absolutely. I did, I did a video on, on his... Uh, on, he wrote an article for her book, Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal, and it was, uh, it was advocating the benefits of gold and silver and uh, advocating the benefits of an honest money system, and that was before he turned into Darth Vader and uh, became a traitor to humanity. <laughs> That's an interesting al analogy, but basically you're saying that, okay, I, I see where you're coming from that, but it, it, most of what she's doing, though, reminds me of the, it would be as if it was like the Mein Kampf of the neoconservative movement. The idea, that, I mean, are, are you aware of her position on the Native Americans, for example? Uh, I was. Not, uh, I think, yeah, she basically, I, I, I can't say I'm fully aware of it. I, I, I'm not fully in detail. I don't agree with Anne Rand on every single thing, and I'm not a defender of Anne Rand, obviously, because she's an atheist, and I'm not. But she may have had some, uh, you know, positions on the Native Indians, and I don't know what her position was, so I would have to hear it before I made an opinion about it. But let me quickly go back to Atlas Shrugged, 
where we talked about the rich people uh, going on strike and the masses, uh, you know, being affected. I would say that I believe the message in that book is totally Christian. It, it aligns with my Christian views, and I'm not for any government forcefully taking away from honest producers and achievers. I would say that the category, uh, people can reside into two categories. Producers and achievers is one. There's lots of different categories, right? I don't need to be oversimplifying it. Producers and achievers is one category. And another category is moochers, looters, and bootlickers. And, and you may say to me, well, that's a very unchristian view, but we're talking reality here, right? Uh, and, and I believe I should help my brothers when they want to help themselves and not just to help somebody who wants to just lay down and not work. I, I, my grandfather had a van. He worked on a dairy farm. It was work or don't eat. And so if you have the capability, if God has given you the body and the capability to work, if you want to sit on your butt, then I don't believe anybody else, else's stuff, should be taken from a person that does produce and achieve stuff and given to the guy who wants to sit on his lazy butt. And that was the message I got out of that with Trump. I, I, that was, you know, how I read this book, and I thought it was a very good uh, message to send, to send out. Well, it looked to me more like it was kind of a um, suggestion that the elite should get together and sabotage the world and kill off the majority of people and take over. It sounded an awful <laughs> end game to me. I, I didn't see any. I didn't see any uh, any uh, paragraphs in that book about killing the masses. I just they went on strike and they said we're no longer going to. Uh, let, let's just imagine for a second that the people who ran the trains, the planes, the people, the things that we take for granted in the modern society, and they put all their hard effort into running these things. If they said, we don't want to do it anymore, we're not going to do it. And so society would crumble. And so if society crumbles because the producers and achievers don't want to participate anymore, we have no right as a, as a people to go put a gun to their head or to force them. You talked about no coercion. I'm totally in agreement with you. I don't want to force producers and achievers to, to you know, make airplanes and make trains and make coal mines and, and do all the things that's necessary to build a great society. I want them to do that because they want to do it from – uh, they want to get ahead in the world, they want to make a little money, if they want to keep some for their family, or if they want to do a godly thing and, 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 and help their fellow man in need, that's great. But if they want to make it all for themselves and keep it all for themselves, that, that should be their right uh, because they produced and achieved it honestly. And I'm not going to force, I don't want any system, whether it be zeitgeist, capitalism, or any system at all, to forcefully take their stuff that they produced honestly. If they produced it honestly and they got ahead of the rest of us, then I, I applaud them, but I don't well, want to be certainly done. have no uh, interest in taking away anybody's riches. But but let me let me ask you a question. Um, how hard do you think the people that Jesus fed when he used that what was it two loaves of bread and two fish to somehow feed like I think it was you know, a large yep. amount of people? How much work do you think they did um, to to get that food? Did Jesus ask them to? punch a clock and work for him for 40 hours to give it to them? No, but they did have to travel quite a way. As a matter of fact, Jesus was concerned because they, they said, we're going to have to send these people home, and they're going to go out to the end when they return. Uh, they're, they're going to be not have food to eat, right? And so they traveled quite a ways to hear him, and he said he had mercy on the crowd and that, you know, he wanted to feed them while they were there, and he didn't want them uh, to go back famished. So, uh, you know, the... the, the Two loaves, the, the, the loaves and the fishes story, the parable, I don't believe is an advocate of Jesus saying that, you know, we don't have to work. That is an advocate of Jesus had mercy on the crowd that came to listen to his message. He was grateful that they came, and uh, they came of their own free will, and he, he fed them through his mercy. But that, I don't draw out of that parable that it's okay not to work. Uh, and, that, you, know, you know, Jesus and God Almighty is not going to give us uh, – uh, food every single day while we sit on our, you know, bohine and, and, and not, not lift a finger to do some work. Uh, 
you know, I, I believe that working hard and, and using uh, the, the God-given abilities that we were given, our talents, and our uh, and, and it, it's something that God takes great pleasure in. He, he, he loves for us to, and you, you, you might term it uh, expanding your mind, pursuing your passion. And I would, you know, I use the word work, but it's, a, it, it's effectively the same thing. It's getting up every day and doing what you love to do most and pursuing your passion and pursuing what you're called to do. And uh, you should work really hard at that because it, 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 I believe that's where, uh, you know, one of our purposes in life is. And not, not that we should work for the man or work for a tyrannical system, but God gave us a mind. He gave us this wonderful body. I believe we should use it to the best of our ability. Every day is a gift from God. And uh, we shouldn't just uh, expect anybody to give us anything for free. Uh, we should work and, and contribute to society. And uh, I just don't, and going, going back to the parable, I don't see that as, as a lesson that Jesus said it's okay to be lazy because he fed a, a group of people that came out to listen to him. Okay. Um one of the major let me get once again I think we keep getting derailed um what what's uh what specifically let's get back to the subject of evil here because once again i I understand the libertarian perspective I understand the free market perspective, and since you guys believe in a non aggression principle and so do we, I don't really see how we're ever gonna be butting heads with each other because I'm not going to forcibly take anything from you and you're not going to forcibly take anything from me but where where does the evil come from um, okay well okay. Uh, well, it, you know, this makes – again, I'm going to get into grounds where people are going to think I'm a little crazy, and that's okay because I'm used to that. But I do believe that there is a satanic influence in the world. I believe there is an evil. There, it, it goes back to where do you draw the baseline for a moral society, okay? Uh, many, of, many people, especially the atheists and the young atheists, will believe that uh, – you know, have you heard the phrase, science flies men to the moon, but religion flies men into buildings? Now, that sounds really good, and it gets a big applause from the young community. And, and a lot of people put a lot of the blame on religion for a lot of the evils of the world, but I think we could argue that, that a lot of evil has been done outside of the name of religion, you know, uh, as well. And so if you just counted the people that were murdered in wars for religion, I think that number would be very small compared to the people that had nothing to do with religion. But I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting off track, and I don't mean to. Going back to the original topic of what is evil, okay, you have to have a, a, a moral baseline for society. I believe we're all given an inner moral compass by God, and that moral baseline uh, is, is biblical word, and I'm not a Bible scholar. I, I do read it. I try to become you know, familiar with it as best as I can, and I use my inner moral compass that God has given me to live a moral life. I don't derive my morals from what society tells me or what I hear on Fox News or what I hear on CNN or what some university professor told me. Uh, and I think that's maybe where our fundamental differences are. But I do believe that the moral baseline was laid down by Jesus Christ and that uh, the Bible is inspired by God, and that we should live a Christian life and, and to love our, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and, and also to love our brothers as ourselves. And I never want to force you to do anything. Uh, I'm not in any way, uh, you know, that whole war, uh, preemptive war, and I'm not for that. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I Bush did it in the name of Christianity and claimed to be a Christian. I'm, I'm, I, I was fooled at one time by that. I'm not fooled by it anymore. And I, I renounce what he did, and I don't want any part of it. I think it's wrong. I mean, we're, we're talking about over... 500,000 to a million Islamic people have died. And for what? Uh, you know, I, I just – we could get off on the war discussion, too. Right. Going yeah. back to evil, that's an example of evil, right? More specifically, no, I don't need to know what the definition of evil is. It's more of a question of why do you think the, the Zeitgeist Movement and the Venus Project are evil? For, okay, I think you're capitalizing in on um, the fiat money system as, as cratering our existing system. We all know that fiat money is bad. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned in – 
maybe not a discussion with you, but in a previous discussion that I had with another gentleman that, you know, that guy's did a movie on the Federal Reserve, and it's to be applauded. It's a great movie. Uh, he did a movie on uh, exposing the truth of 9-11. I totally agree with everything you said there. Uh, not everything. I can't, but for the most part, I, I don't remember anything I disagree with. I'll say it like that. Uh, so I thought that the Federal Reserve and 9-11 Zeitgeist movies were great. But now we're talking about uh, creating a system that is jobless, soulless. In the Zeitgeist movie, you said there is no truth. I, I believe, you know, the truth for you, truth for Neil, uh, truth for Neil Kernan is different than truth for Rudy Davis. We can never, you know, that goes back to the Emmanuel Kant thing of we can never really know truth. Um, it goes back to what is wrong and what is right. I believe that there is a right. I believe there is a moral baseline for how to live society. I believe there is a right and a wrong. And I think when I hear the Zeitgeist Addendum, which that was the movie that, you know, really got me thinking about your system and what I remember from it anyway, is that, you know, what's right and what's wrong is it's kind of relative and, you know, we'll change it as society changes. And, uh, that's what zeitgeist means, isn't it? And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but zeitgeist means the changing morality of society over time or something similar to that. Actually, it just means spirit of the times. When, when he okay. uses the term zeitgeist, he's just saying this is what the world is like right now. It's okay, not a right, question right of now. communicating to it. Right, okay, okay, so that, uh, my dogs are barking in the background, I apologize. Uh, right. But you're saying that the spirit of the times right now. And so you're implying that what's wrong in the past may be different today, and that's where we fundamentally different. I believe that human beings were created by God and that what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong and that the moral baseline for society, we can look to Jesus Christ to define that moral baseline. But you believe that society will give you that moral baseline and that society will tell you wrong from right. There's a book by the name of of, uh, Conversations with God by Neil uh, Donald, I believe. And I read that recently at the request of a friend. And in that book, you know, it sounds really flowery and we're all going to hold hands and we're all going to love one another. And, uh, you know, nobody really does any evil stuff. There's no such thing as evil. The book goes on to say that Hitler went to heaven. And I'm like, what? You know, I, I just got to reject that. There is such a thing as right. There is such a thing as wrong. And uh, I'm getting a little passionate here. I don't mean to, you know. No, I, I'm accustomed to that. I'm accustomed to that. I, I do want us to kind of try to get back to the point. It's only because my listeners are, are scratching their heads. because it's, it's only because we are talking about a lot of topics. And I totally yeah. understand. I mean, it is a... It is a big thing, and when you're trying to talk about the Venus Project and the money system, it, it, it's so saturated in so many different things that it's, it's really easy to go on tangents. You know, you listen to Jacques Fresco talk sometime. He'll, he'll take you on a, a worldwide trip to get back to your question. So right, in, right. in any case, let, let me – okay, what I'm trying to isolate here is what specifically makes you think that our system is evil. Now, so far I'm kind of getting the message that – you think we're evil because there's an atheist message in the zeitgeist films. Is that no, no, no? Let me back up on that. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't think atheists are evil. I think we're all born atheists, right? And we have to, you know, come to God uh, through uh, our own free will. Going back to what I think is evil about zeitgeist. First of all, we have to agree that there is such a thing as evil. There, ha- there is such a thing as right and wrong. So I would argue or put forth the position, at least from what I've learned that zeitgeist doesn't even believe there's such a thing as right and wrong. And I, if I remember correctly, and you can correct me because I'm sure you know a lot more than I do about the zeitgeist film, it says that truth is subjective, that what's true for you is different than truth for me. That, to me, is an evil statement. Because I think that, um, uh, let me go ahead and correct you then. Okay. I think that takes things a little bit too far. We didn't spend the hours that we did putting together films exposing the evils of political corruption and the evils of monetary corruption and 
and the evils of things like, uh, you know, what could have been done on 9-11, etc. We would not have spent so much time talking about that if we didn't believe in evil. We wouldn't spend so much time, because we do. We, we criticize bad people all the time. We, we do. Okay. Okay, who, who defines bad, though, right? I mean, we, we have to come back to that. Who, defi- who gets to define what evil is? And I think we both agree that the tyrannical elitists of today that are taking advantage of the masses through their fiat money system are evil. We both agree on that. But at some point, when we go down the ladder, me and you are going to disagree on what evil is, right? I, you may say something to people, and I may not. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I, we can think of some examples, but I don't, I don't know what they would be off the top of my head. But eventually, me and you, as, as two civil persons, would get down to a point where we disagree, but we have to say what, uh, who gets to define what evil is. And, and, and I'm going to be looking to a higher creator, and you're going to be looking to the society of your peers. That, that's the difference. Well, if you've ever um, interacted with Jacques Fresco, and more specifically what I would define as being my peers, we spend a great deal of time educating people about the bad things that are being done by certain people. The whole point of Zeitgeist actually was about peeling away the uh, the layers of BS that's covered all over everything that prevent people from seeing the truth that's going on around them. Now, I'm sure that, you know, as we've said earlier, we make a differentiation between organized religion and the evils that have been committed in its name and what a, a pure, real Christian would do. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of atheists, well, I mean, to be fair, the vast majority of people that they see calling themselves Christian behave a certain way. Some of them do things like George Bush did. You've already said you don't like George Bush. No problem. You know, and so therefore they get this impression that that's, that's what these things represent. It happens. Okay. I also think, though, that not all atheists are the same either. Um, I, for example, don't believe in God. I also don't believe in the devil. But I do believe in treating you know, each other decently. And I, I do, you know, those are the morals that were taught to me by my mother. Right. If you say you don't believe in God, do you, not, do you reject the entire spiritual plane of existence as well? Do you believe, you know, there's no heaven, there's no afterlife, there's no soul? There's I, think no that I think that it's possible. I think that um, um, there are a lot of things that are currently outside the scope of science to measure that will eventually be measurable. Um, so, for example, I, I do believe in aliens. I've seen enough uh, evidence what? to say that there are aliens. I can't tell you what they are or what their motives are, but I've, I've seen what? What about the human soul? Um, the human soul? Well, um, there are a couple of different scientific takes on that, but it's never been able to be tracked. So it's until we can prove it, there's no point in making any, you know, words on it. But that's right. the let, difference. Let, let, so, let, let me get back to the main okay. point. Okay. Is I, that, I, that is, I think the, the human soul is the main point. And I, okay. think it, I think it describes exactly why you and I are coming at this from different angles. Uh, and it is the, it's the heart of the issue. The fact that you, you are questioning the existence of the human soul, and I, I espouse it vehemently. And I think that is the heart of the issue, and if I could just quickly say why. Okay. Okay, if, 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 if you believe in the human soul, you believe in the spirit of man, and you believe that his rights are inalienable, and that they aren't given to him by a spirit of the times right now. Uh, they're, they're not given to him by his society. They're not given to him by any zeitgeist movement. That uh, I have the right... And I'll just use, you know, we're, uh, an example where you and I may disagree to us as a point. If I want to work hard and I want to produce and achieve and obtain resources, a lot of resources in this world, and if I wanted to keep it, uh, as a Christian, I've got to say that's wrong, and I hopefully would have uh, not do that because I want, I want to do as the Bible tells me to do. But I should have the right to keep it. I don't want side guys taking it away. 
And if you're, you're, going all, you're going to say that this all boils down to your greed, Rudy, and you're very greedy. I could use other examples. If, if I just don't believe any system of government should, uh, should stomp on the human soul and take away our sovereignty as a human being, not, not give it to the scientific method or to machines or to a zeitgeist uh, movement that wants to you know, control the environment. Okay. Um, well, let me point out, because well, we've already been over this, we're not okay. going to take anything from you, ever, ever. Okay. That, that's um, never going to happen. Nor would we stand by and let anybody else take anything from you. You know, that's why that this is one of the reasons why I kept coming back to what it is. Let, let me okay, I think you have some misconceptions about what our goals are. So let let me let me just ask you this, okay? Obviously somebody living off the grid is not an act of evil, right? I'm sorry, it's not an act of of evil to, to live off oh, the grid. Oh uh, well uh, on that we can agree on evil, yeah. If someone who's living off the grid is absolutely not evil. Okay. Well, I mean, in that respect, I don't know what right. else we're doing off the grid. Okay, well, of course. We'll, we'll get into that. Now, what if a group of people decide to live off the grid? Is that evil? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, let me describe for you now. Let's say we live in a society where uh, a, perhaps a good majority of people, but not everybody because we don't force anybody to be part of it, existed where um, the energy was taken from the earth in natural ways that were ecologically sound, the planet was therefore healthier because of it, where the people who needed to, to eat, you know, had a mean, by, means by which to eat, and more to the point, would have the education and be given the skills so that they could find ways to eat wherever it is that they live. Um, so you don't have to work unless you want to work. And when you do work, because most people are going to want to work. You can't just sit around forever. You will get bored. You will go want to do things. Okay, and when you do work, you'll be able to do so without any concern about, you know, your bills being paid, you'll be able to work on whatever it is that you want. You can still go to church. You know, you can build your church. You can do your thing there. You can interact with other Christians. Nobody bothers you. Nobody's allowed to bother you. Um, the crime rates are dropped because of, you know, just like because of effective ways of, you know, making it so that the need for crime or the benefit of crime goes away. You know, does any of that sound evil? That, that in of itself does not sound evil, but you're talking about, um, let me ask you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, are you talking about making a worldwide system that, that uh, divvies out world resources to the people that exist in the world, right? Um, and I don't see how you can make your system work without everyone participating, because if you were a small subset of society, uh, you're going to have no way... Going back to what I said at the beginning of the call, the sinful nature of men, I, I wouldn't come and destroy a group of like-minded people who wanted to live off the grid in the utopia that you just described. I would applaud you and say, hey, uh, you don't believe exactly like me philosophically, but you're not hurting anybody. You're living within your resources. That's great. But how do you propose, as long as that guy's in a small subset of society, to protect yourself from the sinful nature of man that I talked about earlier who will come and take all your stuff? You know, you may not want to put forth on uh, anybody, but you will have to have some sort of defensive mechanism, uh, and it, it, I don't see it working unless you propagate it throughout the whole world, and I don't, uh, I w I don't want any part of it. Uh, so you would have a hard time convincing someone like me to join your system. Okay, uh, well, um, we don't, we're not about disarming or not being able to protect ourselves. It's about eventually being able to make it so that it's not really necessary anymore. But, right. So let, let's say that you were successful in uh, the state of Florida, but all of Florida was a big zeitgeist movement, and it was working tremendously well, and it, you, you obtained the, 
what I would call the utopia, and you may have a little, you know, you may disagree with the use of the word, but let's say that there was a zeitgeist utopia and everything was working perfectly in Florida. What's going to protect you from the sinful nature of man from the, everybody else that's going to come try to take away your stuff? Um, well, uh, we would protect ourselves in the same way anybody else does. Okay. All right. Um, it would be through arms. It would be, you would have to have a raise of national uh, defense. Going back to laissez-faire government, you have to have a national defense. And there probably will be some crime. I mean, if, you know, maybe, maybe uh, psychic people, there's no crime, so you wouldn't need a police force and you wouldn't need a judicial system. But you would at least need a national defense in order to protect yourself from the simple nature of man that exists throughout the rest of the world. Um, well, I don't. Well, first of all, we don't really believe in the sinful nature of man. But assuming that, of course, people who are living in a situation of scarcity outside of our system, uh, you know, might have needs, and they may want to come and take from us to get those needs. There are a lot of ways that we can handle that situation. I know, like one of the jokes that I used to tell the jock is, you know, maybe there'll be a community of people who are starving, and they'll be outside our community and. They'll, you know, be formulating a plan to come over and take our stuff. So instead of dropping bombs on them, we drop food on them. Um, <laughs> it's not to say that we can't defend ourselves. That, that's not the issue. But uh, the concept is to try to get beyond the need to do so. Um, well, and, and you're, you're, it sounds like you're actively trying to promote a practical way to get to a system that will be egalitarian, right, and equal for everybody. And I would just offer that, uh, you know, a laissez-faire capitalistic system with an honest money system where the true producers and achievers, those who truly produce and achieve, uh, is, is the best way to do that. And you have to have a way to, you know, defend yourself because I do, I do vehemently believe in the sinful nature of man. Uh, and I believe that, you know, that we get past that by looking to an almighty creator. Um, you know, and so I, I would just offer that it's not practical. And we're going back to, the communist thing that Ayn Rand talked about in Russia, where in five years it'll be the utopian, in five more years it'll be the utopian. Five but you're, you've got to build it, right? You've got to build these machines, you know, I think with titanium or whatever the long design, you know, you said you're, you're designing the machines to last a long time, not necessarily for consumer profit. So to get to the point that you want to be, it's going to take uh, a lot of uh, work, and there's going to have to be a lot of work on the part of the Zygad people. So I would offer that, okay, you know, well. Let's let's look at a couple of the things that you're talking about. Um, the first of which is, uh, are you familiar with the term nomenclature? Do you know what that is? No, sir. Okay, that's essentially the equivalent of the neoconservatives in the Soviet circumstances. They're basically the, the elite people. They're the pigs who, from Animal Farm, who changed the rules to everybody's equal, but some people are more equal than others. Um, this kind of comes back to um, the fact that Soviet communism is not an excellent example of communism at all. Um, there actually are working examples of communism, and I still don't advocate that. I think that they need to get rid of labor and all that. But um, like the, I think it was called the Twin Oaks Commune. Um, those people do a really good job of, of living, at, you know, in that circumstance. Um, and one of the major things is that we talked about, you know, that she said it was always five years away. It's the same thing as the, you know, is Obama telling you right now that a great economy is just five years away, or George Bush before him saying. Yeah. A good economy is five years away, but it never happens. You see, that, that's the same language that every corrupt leader tells you. It doesn't matter if he's a socialist, a communist, a capitalist, or a dictator. Um, well, that's, that's a good point. It's a corrupt leader that uses that line, not necessarily communism, but it's, right. it's a and corrupt I, and, leader. No, okay, and, and as an excellent example, I've met some communists who are actually really nice people, and they make a very good point in that um, most of the examples of communists, like Kim Jong-il, 
uh, in, a stra- in a standard communist society, somebody like Kim Jong-il can't even exist. Not if you're actually following what Marx supposedly laid out. Um, like uh, Brian Moore, that socialist I told you about earlier. You know, he told me about a system where, you know, basically everybody involved, they, you know, the, everything communally owned as far as the production, everybody has a job, everybody has an equal say in, you know, in what gets done with their job and things like that. You know, that, that's, that's what they're, where they're coming from. It's not a, you know, anytime you have a, it, when they say dictatorship, it was supposed to be a dictatorship of the proletariat, which means the workers, the people, you know, collectively own, say, a company, and then they vote on what they want done within that company. Everybody shares the money within that company. And actually, they were trying to empower the people at large, not any group of elite. Any more than, for example, Mises or the Founding Fathers, quote-unquote, I mean, if you believe in any way, would have ever wanted, you know, uh, an elite running this country. I mean, my understanding of history is probably a little different than yours, but, I mean, I, I worked for Senator Mike Gravel. I don't know if you know who that is. He I ran for who he is. Yeah, but I think he just came out from 9-11 Truth and Architects and Engineers, which uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of there as well. Yes, well, Mike Gravel taught me the truth about the Founding Fathers, and the unfortunate reality of it is that they were just kind of another group of rich people who set everything up to be sure that the rich would stay in charge. They were a hell of a lot better than the monarchs, don't get me wrong, but their whole system uh, pretty much hinged on their, their economy required slavery. And in order to get a constitution passed that had slavery in it, as in the making it legal, they had to take power away from the people. They created the delegate system wherein you hire some rich man to run off to the constitutional convention to vote in your, you know, vote for you. Um, and that's how you end up with a system that was kind of already set up that way from the beginning. That's the only reason I'm dropping that bomb on you is you really study what happened with the founding fathers because this country was not really as, as free a country as people think. Generally what I point out is that the, you know, when you talk about private property rights and the founding fathers in the same sentence, I usually will point out that their private property rights included owning other human beings. Um, so, because they were, they were all slave owners. Thomas Jefferson, my favorite of the founding fathers, owned the most slaves out of all of them. Now, um, the re- but the reason I'm bringing this up is to get back to your point, okay? There are existing communes that function. They're the ones that actually practice communism and socialism the way they were meant to be practiced, and that includes no central, small group of people running everything. As soon as you've done right. that, it's not communism anymore. Let me just ask you regarding the communism uh, <clears throat> comment. And I, I'm not an expert in communism, but I do remember in Atlas Drug the story of the 20th Century Motor Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember. It's probably a, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot because it may be a long time since you read the book, but there is a, 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 a whole uh, example of communism in the Atlas Drug book, and it talks about the 20th Century Motor Company where the owner was right before he died, he gave the company to all of the workers of the company. And before, the, when the owner was running this, and he was a hardworking, honest, started the company from scratch, he did all the work to invent the motor, and he had, a, you know, he hired the people that were the best workers, and he had, you know, the hierarchy to have a nice, clean, running company. And the 20th Century Motor Company was the best company, best motor company in the whole world, and they were very profitable with an honest, you know, let's, let's just pretend it was an honest money system. But he died, and he gave the company to the workers. And, and uh, the workers set up a representative uh, for how the profits would be doled out. And then uh, you would get these people that showed up at, they would have a meeting once a month, and these people would talk about, uh, you know, how their grandmother has, you know, a, a disease, and another one has, you know, kids need braces, and another kid is having medical problems. And they would tell the stories on stage, and the, the profits would be doled out, not to the people who worked hard to create uh, the, the best motor in the world, but it would be doled out 
to the people that were in need the most. So it, it, it goes down, do you believe that, you know, the profits of the company should be doled out to those who are in need the most or those who uh, produce and achieve the most? And the problem is with the 20th Century Motor Company, when they started doing that, they no longer were the best motor company in the world. They went to the worst motor company and eventually went out of business. And then it goes back to, you know, that baby Crockett, it's not yours to give. I, I don't believe that we should pass out uh, the resources of the world to those simply because they need it the most. It's not, uh, it, it's not practically ever going to work properly that way. We have to dole it out to those who produce and achieve and work their butts off. And then hopefully, we, you know, uh, if we have a, 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 um, the word of God being preached and we have a, a, a godly example that these people will use their uh, reward uh, for the benefit and the glory of God and help their fellow man, you know, some of you will say, well, that we've tried that in America, and it's terribly, you know, our system is so corrupt. But these people are not good godly examples. The, the, the whole system is full of not even an honest money system, but a fiat money system. And these people that claim to be Christians aren't even close to coming uh, to following the word of God. So, you know, I'm totally against, you know, passing out money based on need and, instead of uh, producing an achievers. And, and let me go back and just ask you a quick question, and I think you might have answered it, but just to make sure I understand your position. Do you specifically believe as a fact guy spokesman that people that work hard and achieve should get more resources than those who don't? And, and if your answer is yes, right, uh, then yeah, I would, that, and that, that's cool. If the answer is no, then that's like, I, I, I don't see how you're practically ever going to create a system that works with, you know, the mankind the way that it is. Well, I gave you an example of, um, for example, the, the, the Twin Oaks commune and some of the other existing communes that are doing actually pretty well. They did a special about it on the Russia Today. I'll give you a link to it at some point. There are some members of the Zeitgeist Movement who are there. Um, I'm planning on having a radio show about them relatively soon. Um, it is possible for these kinds of communities to exist. Um, that's also just using the communist system, which I feel is flawed in comparison to a resource-based economy system that utilizes more technology. But... I don't mean to pin you down, but on the, on the question I'm, of... I'm trying to get to okay, that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I don't believe that people should be motivated to work solely for the purpose of what individual reward they will have. If that is your belief, then obviously you wouldn't be asked to live in a Venus Project society, but there's nobody who's going to stop you from going ahead and go doing your own thing and getting your own benefits out of your own okay. All right, that's fair enough. And, and again, I, uh, from my Christian perspective, I, I would wish you well and applaud you, and, and, but I would just offer the concern as a, as a human, the human going through this journey of life that, uh, you know, your system, uh, I would be very concerned about its success. I wish you the best, uh, but you're going to have to develop a defense system for the rest of the world that don't think like you do. And, um, uh, and, and you're gonna, I, would, I would imagine have a hard time motivating the producers and achievers that are part of your system to really excel and to, uh, you, know, you know, produce and achieve new inventions, new research and development, all of the drudge work. I mean, all of this great technology that is espoused in the addendum didn't just come about by, you know, the love of mankind from its heart and, and want to help its fellow man. It really did come about by a free market capitalistic system. Let me interrupt you there so we don't go around in circles. Um, I, you are aware of a great deal of technology that actually does not get see the light of day because of the capitalist system. The fact that certain technologies would essentially crush certain markets. Yes, yes, I totally agree. I totally agree because we have evil corrupt people at the top, yes. So then you're saying, well, yeah, the thing is, is it's inherent in any system wherein the, the, where the God, so to speak, that everybody's chasing is profit. 
You're going to have any, you're always going to have that. As soon as there becomes an issue of, well, my livelihood is directly, even if you're not an evil person, if your livelihood is directly linked, for example, to your sale of fossil fuels, any kind of uh, inventor who's going to come along and make an electric car that doesn't require your fossil fuels is going to become your personal enemy. You're going to hate that person, even if they're not doing anything wrong at all. And it's been proven through time, you know, they always flip out on people who develop technology that eliminates jobs or makes it harder for people to live. And that's because they have every right to be upset because we live in a system wherein if you can't find a way to be useful to somebody else, then you get to die. That's the way it works now. That's why I don't feel it's, I don't feel it's freedom is I have to be useful to someone else to live. And if I'm not, then, you know, then I'm dead. Those are the two options. You know, that I think freedom is that I can exist free of having to be dependent on, you know, being useful to anybody else. At the cost of whom, though? I mean, when you say be free and, and independent of anybody, you have to eat, right? I mean, uh, you have to have a place to live. Who's going to provide you that? The Zeitgeist uh, system is going to provide everyone uh, food and a place to live? Um, That's the goal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, I, I applaud you, but um, I, I'm just concerned that it's not practical and very idealistic. Um, no, I well, that's some people. I mean, idealistic. That that's a good word for depending on Christianity being the glue that's going to hold capitalism together and keep it from being corrupt. And she think that's kind of idealistic. It depends on people being good Christians. I mean, I, I mean, that was, there is one statement, for example, that uh, the Constitution Party candidate Chuck Baldwin made that I, I understood where he was coming from because he pointed out that he said that you know Christian values are going away, and as a result. Um, capitalism has kind of taken people to... Absolutely, yeah. I agree with that. Right, I understand where he's coming from. The problem is is that religion is not, at least not in my opinion, and it would be idealistic to assume that because of the ideals of Christianity alone, capitalism is going to work. Because unfortunately, religion is not enough of a a glue to hold on to people. I mean, I I believe, for example, if, if you were my neighbor... You know, I, I, I can say I sincerely believe that I'd feel totally safe with you being a capitalist near me. There are some other people, though, who even claim or even think they're Christian who I would much rather not be capitalist living near me. Cause right. They might justify things. This is why I said, you know, you said you don't agree with everything Ayn Rand said. Okay, I, 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 I'm glad because one of the things... Well, I don't agree with everything she said, but I'll say that I, I've read a great deal of her work and I'm a huge fan of her. Sure, sure. Let, let me finish. Um one of the things that she said is that she justified the slaughter of the Native Americans in the name of progress, that the, that the white men and any actually more civilized people have the right to take land from other people if they... Yeah, were. totally disagree with that. She said, totally the, same thing, that. She said the same thing about Arabic countries. That is, yeah, her, her stance on uh, Islamic people, I don't agree with that as well. Well, yeah, and it's because anybody who is more developed should have the right to take resources from anybody who isn't. That's her. That's her mantra. I don't she has. She. 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 You know her. 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 Her philosophy of objectivism. She wrote a speech to the West Point graduates that was phenomenal. Uh, it talked about, uh, you know, what we should do as a mankind when we find ourselves on this earth. She also believed in this uh, thing called sanction of the victim, which means we don't contribute to those who are, uh, you know, destroying our lifestyle. But it was um, actually from her. A conversation at West Point where she stated that they had a right to slaughter the Native Americans. She didn't use the word slaughter, but as a Native American, I can tell you, I, I wasn't too happy with the wording that she used. She was asked repeatedly to clarify herself, and that's one of the things that she said was that you know they had the right to take it. You know, and and what does it you know what does that mean take? Because that's another thing that always like bothered me about it. It's like remember what you say. You're concerned. You know, you're concerned about evil. Okay, 
I'm concerned that Ayn Rand is an evil person. And the reason that I'm concerned is because of things that she said along the lines of it's okay to slaughter people if you want to take their stuff. Okay. And, oh, okay. And I'm, 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 I don't share that, that opinion whatsoever. And I'm not an advocate for slaughtering anybody to take their stuff. Um, so, you know, we, we're in agreement on that. And I, even though I'm a fan of Ayn Rand, I'm a fan of her individualism. I'm a fan of I'm rewarding the moochers and loose. I mean, I'm sorry, rewarding the producers and achievers and, and not at the cost of, you know, taking from them to provide for others. Um, but, you know, so, if you know, to say that she wanted to slaughter the American Indian and the Islamic people to, to progress the progress the, uh, progression of uh, industry and technology, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. Well, that's actually why when I look at the, the New World Order thing, one of the things that bothers me, actually, is those darker aspects of Ayn Rand's teachings, particularly if you have a Federal Reserve chairman who is in one of her circles of friends, it makes you wonder. I mean, and then you look into her personal life and what kind of... No, if you, look at what, if you look at what he wrote when he was a circle of her friend, it was that we should be in an honest money system. He espoused the value of gold and silver, and then he turned right. yeah, I know. No, I know. Okay. I remember you told me that. Um, okay. but, but let me, let me get... We can, let me get back to the core issue here, because I, I don't think that we've really, we've really gotten through it. But, okay, because we don't believe in God, is that, that is what makes us evil? Is that, is that the point? Um, no, uh, I believe there's lots of people that don't believe in God and they're not evil. We're born atheists and we right, have to right, come to right, God right. through our own truth. It's just, okay. it's, it's, we've been doing this almost for two hours and I, I, and I value everything that you've said, but I want to make sure we get to the point, which is that, okay, what's okay, evil? It's two things. It's two, I would, I, let me just sum it up as best I can. So, the first thing is you don't believe that there's absolute. You don't believe that there is a, such a thing as right and wrong. Your, your addendum says, that uh, truth is subjective. It does say that. And so I have a big problem with that. Let me move on because I, I think we've hit that a, a few times. Right. I, I answered it by pointing out to you that we obviously yes. believe in right and wrong or we wouldn't be telling people why. No, but you don't. You don't you, you, see, I define my right and wrong from uh, an inner world, uh, from an inner world compass that God has given me, a belief in the divine and of the Bible. But you define, you define your right and wrong from the society that you live in. That's the huge difference. And that's why I would attribute uh, the zeitgeist as, as, you know, one attribute of evil. The other thing is you don't reward the producers and achievers of society, and I believe that is evil. You have to reward the honest producers and achievers. I don't want an elite system to rule over the masses, but I don't believe that we should take from those by force. And you say, well, we don't plan to take anything by force. I mean, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you say that you don't plan to take anything by force, then it's inconceivable to me uh, how you can provide for the masses without, uh, you know, taking from uh, the producers and achievers. And I don't see uh, you having enough producers and achievers idealistically, uh, you know, to, to make all these machines that will create the zeitgeist utopia that, you know, you're, you're talking about. Well, families get off the grid now all by themselves, and the producers and achievers are the ones who are doing that. We're basically proposing that rather than trying to patch a system that continuously follows the corruption, that we get out of that system and become self-sufficient and self-sustaining. Well, and, and let's, let's see. so if zeitgeist is a, is a large group of people that may not believe in God that want to get off the grid, that's one thing, right? That's, that's one thing. But when you listen to the zeitgeist agenda, it sounds, it sounds like because they talk about the machines and how they'll be designed not for profit but for large, long periods of time lasting right. and the last right. throughout the lifetime of a, of a man's life, uh, you know, you, it sounds like you're espousing technology, which came about – uh, free market capitalistic system with honest money. And so I don't see how you can have both. 
No, I've given you examples of how there are actually several innovations that didn't have anything to do with free market capitalism. I've also pointed out that, in fact, a great deal of technology that could save hundreds of thousands of lives is held back by free market capitalism. Because no, it's, it's held back by corruption in the system. I believe that it's held back not by free market capitalism, but I believe it's held back by the corrupt people that control our media, they control our universities, they control the right. corporate... Yeah, we all know Okay, but you're blaming it on free market capitalism. Why don't why don't you say? Because I think that the system, I think that the free market capitalist system, because of its use of money, uh, will inevitably lead to those corruptions in the same way that Soviet communism. Its use of fiat money gives gives uh, mankind and the elite the power to have all of this power over the rest of us. In a sound in a sound money system. In a sound money system, are there still going to be rich people and poor people? Not, not nearly as bad as what exists today. You, you don't think like, it would be easier to get your hand on all the money if there's only so much money? Not nearly as bad as we would have today. You'd still have the rich and you'd still have the powerful, but you would not have uh, the elite. You know, it's just like the, the, the role-playing games that I talked about, and I only say that because I've got a, a teenager myself. If, if you had players in the game whose money never went down, no matter how much money they spent, right. they spent millions of they, they would control everybody else. That will not happen in a uh, in a sound money system because people are people will, will will want to gravitate toward things that benefit society. And if the technologies that you're talking about that are being hidden, if if the guy came out and, and there would be people that invested in him because they would not be scared of the media putting them down, they would not be scared of the universities causing him to lose his job. These people that have these great ideas that you're talking about being hidden, they would have fruition in a in a, in a real uh, honest money system. I believe. You don't think that people who are concerned about their market share being hinged on, because this is kind of one of the reasons why there's a problem here, okay? The fractional reserve system is not what empowers a cartel to put other people out of business. It's not, you know, it, it, the fractional reserve system is only an aspect of it, but it, you could still do that just as easily when your money is based in gold. We've had these problems, or even if just using gold as an example, we had these problems when all currency was made out of gold. Let's just use an example. Let's say that a guy invented a car that would run on water. Let's just use a hypothetical example. Right. I would say that uh, the fiat money system allows the people that, uh, you know, they, they control the oil reserves, they control the media, they control um, our government institutions, and they control the patent office. Because they have such immense control with their fiat money system, they're able to stop this guy at every avenue, not only that, but to send their thugs to his house. And in, a, in an honest money system, if they the guy is playing... They can't an honest money system? What, what about have, an honest they, money system is going to prevent somebody from hiring thugs? I, they could, they would, much to a much lesser degree. And here's the reason I say that. They would not, in an honest money system, they wouldn't have complete control of the media. So if, if the guy was brave and he wanted to risk his life, the guy could still send thugs over. There's no doubt. Pause for just a second. Pause for just yeah. a second. Okay. Okay. Um, What's going to prevent people from owning the media in an honest money system? Now, you, you got me thinking. It, it's going to be to a lot less degree. You, let's, the people that are in the elite today, and I could use their names, but there's no point in doing that. Um, yeah, okay, him and, and others. Uh, Murdoch owns about 70%, actually, of the okay. monetary yeah. Do you know how he got that? It's because they deregulated it. There used to be a limit on how much people were allowed to own of the, of the media. Um, the free market types wanted those regulations gone, and they got those regulations gone, and that allowed Rupert Murdoch to purchase 70% of the world's media. 
Okay, and it's, it's not just the media. It's also the government institutions. It's the patent office. It's our universities. Are, are you aware of a, a, an interview that Norman Dodd gave? Um, he talked about how the Rockefeller Center controlled all the historians and they rewrote history. In my opinion, that these elitists have such vast control, not just of the media, but of all the institutions of society, that they stop. The, he doesn't even have a chance from the get-go, but in an honest money system, where you wouldn't have that, that guy have that much control, uh, I believe that he would have a better chance of getting his invention out. So you're saying that the, the lack of control would come from uh, a limited money supply? I mean, let, let, let's, let's point this out, okay? Yeah, it, it, just makes, it just makes sense. I mean, look, you're familiar with World of Warcraft. I'm going to play this game for World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy or all these role-playing games. If you have people in the game who never lose money, they're going to have much more control than those who have to honestly... Uh, earn the money. Rupert Murdoch, if Rupert Murdoch had to honestly earn his money, there's no, there's no way he would be able to control all these institutions because he would be forced, uh, you know, to, to, to do it honestly like the rest of them. Okay, well, um, Rupert Murdoch doesn't control the Federal Reserve directly. It's not like he's printing out fractional reserve notes in, in his office or something. He he still has to use the same system. I, I don't see that just getting rid of that is going to solve all of these problems, but once again, we're, we're, on a, we're on another tangent. As much as I'm enjoying this conversation, and I, I hope that you are too, um, because we're actually, uh, I think we're actually, um, yeah, we're now into the archive portion. Um, okay. I, I want to ask you, actually, um, uh, will you um, be willing at some point to come on again so that we can kind of finish this conversation? Because I think that it's, it's a large point, and maybe we should probably devote another show to it at some point. That, that, sounds, that sounds good. I, I'd be uh, absolutely willing to, and, and uh, you know, we can communicate and, and pick a date that's convenient for both of us. Going back to the New World Order, I would just, just say in closing, you're, when you say New World Order, I would use that phrase because I use it quite a bit. I would say that you may think that it's not as organized and as bad as I do. I would say because of the, how I heard you talk and describe it that I think that it's uh, a, a much more prevalent and much more organized effort than uh, – you know, you would maybe give it credit for, and I would attribute that. And, and again, some of those will think I'm crazy because of my religious belief, but because the New World Order is driven, driven at a spiritual level by a satanic force. Uh, now, a lot of you will think I'm not, that's fine, but I, I do believe in God and I do believe in Satan. And so because I believe that it's driven by a satanic force, pushing us to towards the one world government, I think that it, and because it's being fueled by a fiat money system, then it gives it much, much, much more power than... Uh, you know, just simply Rupert Mur Murdoch with an unlimited bank account. I mean, these people are so powerful, they can open a bank account and put in whatever money they want to, and there's no checks and balances on them. Uh, it's the same thing as, you know, imagine somebody with an unlimited, unlimited money. They don't want money anymore. They just want power and control, and that's, that's unfortunately what we've got in the Okay, well, we've been over that. We're, we're kind of going in circles about the issue of the, of the, of the, the money. But, okay, let, let me... Let, so that I can at least achieve this, um, I hope that I have proven to be true to my word and had good integrity during the conversation and that I was treated fairly. And, okay, good. I'm glad that I got that across. Now, let me, let me say the reason, uh, because it's not a matter of we don't believe in the New World Order, okay? The vast majority of us, I mean, some people don't. I mean, uh, for example, even Peter is starting to get skeptical that, the, that it's as much as he thought it did. But... But the point is that it's kind of a matter of getting beyond that. It's, some of these systems are designed intentionally so that the elite can control them. So I was telling you earlier about how the Founding Fathers set this up so that 
rather than us having you know the ability to have more of a voice, then they got rid of it. And you always seem to have this limited choice of candidates when you're finished. You know, you saw that in Zeitgeist Denim, and they all seem to have one thing in common: they're all rich. You know, you don't you don't get into the office as a poor person. You know, maybe into like city council or something, but that that's about as high as you're going to go. Maybe sheriff, because that that particular job is you know, requires certain skills that aren't necessarily required to be rich. But for the most part, unless you're lucky, like Ron Paul or Dennis Kucinich, who happen to be two congressmen who live in an area where the local people actually know who they are and love them, now, those are like the only two politicians I trust at all. I might add, and I don't agree. I'm a, I'm a, big, I'm a huge fan of Ron Paul. Right. Huge fan. Well, in order to stay in office, he the only reason he can is because everybody knows him in his constituency. He was never going to be president, as, as unfortunate as that is. And honestly, I, I think if the democratic system was working, we would have been choosing between him and Dennis Kucinich, not between, you know, Obama and McCain, who I thought were both terrible. Uh, yeah. You know, and so if the system was working, you know, my friend Mike Gravel would have been a lot, you know, would have done a lot better. But the system ruled by, you know, the, the money in question is what prevents this. It's the minute, you know, Mike was talking about, the minute Mike started talking about, you know, impeaching George Bush, well, Dennis did that mostly. The minute he started exposing corporate, you know, lobbyists, the minute he, for example, he pointed out that Hillary was lying about being an anti-war candidate. That was the end of him. They got rid of him in the debates as fast as they could. Who gets into the debates is entirely determined by rich people. You know, it, it costs money, basically, to put those on. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, he gets to determine who gets into the Fox News debates. Almost all of them are owned by the same little group of people. Your element of control actually comes out of the, out of the people who have all the money. We know that. Okay. Yep, we don't disagree on anything you just said. Right. Now, as far as you know, our position on the New World Order is not to say that – it's not really about um, saying that it doesn't exist in some – I mean, the first Zeitgeist film has all kinds of stuff that basically points to the New World Order. Um, it, it more has to do with the fact that uh, we want to concentrate on solutions, and we feel that if people understand the solutions, then we can, get, we can make the New World Order as irrelevant as possible. Because whatever those little people are doing over there and their version of the game, it, it's, it's kind of like this. If you're playing Monopoly, because that's kind of what we're doing right now in capitalism, if you're playing Monopoly and the guy who's the banker is obviously cheating, uh, bringing money in from other Monopolies, we'll say, you know, the fractional reserving system, to make sure that he always has an endless amount of money for himself, then rather than continually trying to fight with the guy who made sure that the house rules made it so that he could do that perpetually, and getting ourselves killed, which is pretty likely. Um, we're just, I mean, like, you think about it. JFK was the last guy who challenged them, and what happened to him? Yeah. Okay, we just assume get the hell out of the game. It doesn't mean we're not going to pay attention to them, but one of the problems that we have, it's just like the 9-11 truth. For all of Alex Jones's work, one of the things that he does most effectively when he picks up that megaphone is he makes anybody who even wants to talk about 9-11 truth look like an idiot. Okay? I don't know if you're familiar with that stuff that he did recently in Dallas, I think it was in Dallas. There was a gun rally thing that the, the, a group of libertarians were putting together, and he showed up and basically just stuck his nose in the middle of it, and just you know he was really mean to those activists. There were libertarians there, you know, they were trying to put on a, a you know a decent you know rally, and they were actually starting to get attention to the local lobbyists. Alex Jones shows up, takes out his megaphone, and makes everybody there look like a moron. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a defender. Although I got to say that everything that I have seen, and I, I'm not a defender of Alex Jones, but I. I Everything that I have seen, he seems to be a patriotic individual, and uh, I, I, I think he's trying to tell the truth as best he can. 
let me say this, and let me put this angle on you, okay? Because I've had to think about this myself, and I'm not alone in this. This is just a zeitgeist thing. A lot of friends are really deep into conspiracy theory stuff. If somebody, if he was right about everything, the Bilderberg Group, Trilateral Commission, at least, I mean, we know the Bilderberg Group exists. I'm not even going to argue with that. But You're going to say, why isn't he dead? Are you going to say, why isn't he dead? Well, he's either, yes, why isn't he dead is the first question. Yeah. Because if he was absolutely right, I, I think he'd be dead as fried chicken. Okay, here's, here's, here's where you and I disagree again, and it's fundamental difference. I believe that he's not dead because of the power of Jesus Christ, and that Jesus won't take him home until he's done with him. Again, you're going to say I'm a nutcase, I'm a religious nut. But I, see, when I talk about Jesus and God and Satan, they aren't just, you know, conceptions. I believe that they actually, are, uh, you know, exist, and they, they provide an influence in the world, and it's, it, it, you know... Uh, Alex Jones professes to be a Christian. I don't see any reason to disbelieve him. I'm, I'm not going to call him a liar on that. And if, if it's Lord of Jesus Christ, then I believe he, they couldn't kill him if they sent nuclear bombs into his uh, you know, place. Now, I understand from your perspective, when you don't have the belief in God, you might say, well, yeah, I'm talking to him that. But that's how, I, that's how I view it. I don't, I, don't, I don't say that just because he's alive and hasn't been killed yet, um, that that's the reason why... Um, you know, he, he must be on their side. No, no. no. But you're, think I, that, you're thinking that, well, I, I'm not even necessarily saying that it's just that he's on his side. I think he's either on their side or he's just in this for the money, um, or even a little bit of both. But, yeah. let, me, but let, me, let me say, you know, if you, you're saying that it's divine intervention that's keeping Alex alive? I'm saying that God won't take him home until he's done with him. And that if, if, cause I believe that the New World Order is driven by Satan. I, I truly believe that. Now, I don't just say that to make a point or, you know, try to be, Shocking! I believe that at the core of my being. So, if if Satan wanted to go kill Alex Jones, Jesus wouldn't let him uh, kill Alex Jones until uh, he's through with you know whatever he needs him to do on this planet. And and uh, so I don't. I understand that you have a religious belief behind that. Okay, but that's let me get, let me get back to what it is I wanted to accomplish before we end this radio broadcast. Okay, is okay. That, um, first of all, we've we've established that you do feel that I treated you with respect, as I said I would. Um, secondly. Um, and let me let me explain first of all why that is. Um, I think that, and this is actually something that's very inherent in the Zeitgeist movement. Okay, when Jacques Fresco talks about education, he feels that the the greatest guard against tyranny and corruption is. It, I mean, it's not about owning a hunting rifle. Okay, it's about not to say that you're not allowed to own one. The best guard against tyranny is an educated, critically, analytically thinking mind. Okay. Yeah, a mind that it's very difficult to manipulate, a mind that knows when somebody's trying to manipulate it. Okay. So, Absolutely, yeah. So that's, that's why, for example, in a Venus Project Society, our children from the very youngest ages will be taught critical and analytical thinking from the very beginning. And that's one of the big, greatest guards. You ask what stops people from being corrupt. Our idea is, is that... You can't get away with that if people are, are open-minded or aware and are awake. And I imagine, you know, do you have children? Absolutely. And, and I would agree with you. The, the best you're raising defense. your children to be open-minded and thinking and, you know, Absolutely. and very aware of what's going on around them. Okay. Yes, I am. Now, so that's the formula for stopping this. And, I, and the reason I was so good to you on this radio broadcast is that I respect communication. I can't learn anything and you can't learn anything unless people can communicate with each other without attacking one another. Um, that's actually the reason why you know, people look at our forums, for example, and we do kick people out of our forums quite a bit if they, if they act up. And it's not because 
we want to restrict people's freedom of speech is because I think personally anyway, it's a much bigger restriction of freedom of speech to allow people to run around bullying everybody into the point to the point they don't want to talk anymore. It, you know, freedom of speech is not supposed to include my right to pick a big, you know, P-I-S-S all over somebody else until they're quiet, okay? And that's why I feel that intellectual conversation, it's required that two people can respect one another and be able to exchange with each other, interrupt, you know, interrupt each other as little as possible. I mean, sometimes you have to, but, you know, things like that. And that's the best way that mankind will, will grow and expand, okay? The free exchange of ideas is what you and I just had, okay? Not, now, not disagreeing with anything you said. All right. Now, the next part about this is that what I was trying to get across to you is that, first of all, and most people understand this, okay, we do not believe in coercion, okay? So any differences in opinion that you have with our philosophy is not even really relevant because we're not going to make you do it anyway, nor would we stand by and allow anybody else to make you do or do it. And, and also, we would also not be the kind of people who would stand by and let somebody else make you do what they wanted you to do, okay? Very well, and, and I, I, I'm okay with talking to people as long as they leave the door open. If somebody tells me to shut up, I will shut up and walk away. But as long as they will leave the door open, I will tell them about my religious views, my relationship with God, and I'm going to continue to do that. Now, if that upsets others, then that's the other people's problems. But as long as the individual I'm talking to uh, leaves the door open and doesn't tell me I don't want to hear it anymore, then I would hope that I could continue the conversation. Sure. No, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> But when it comes to, this is the thing, and I, I had to go through all of this with a very dear friend of mine who used to, we used to work around a, a radio show called the North Virginia Patriots Show. He went through the, the Venus Project as evil phase. And what I had to explain to him, after he really understood where we were coming from, okay, we were talking about trying to free people in the same fashion, only in that it's like the same goals as you are. We have a different method that we would like to go about to get there. But we respect that you have the right as an individual to think whatever you want and do whatever you want. And anything that you feel like that would be us inhibiting our own rights, well, that's kind of our choice at that point. You choose to be a Christian. That means that you believe that lying is wrong. You know, obviously, we don't have a right to have any problem with that. That's your decision. And obviously, we don't really think too well of liars where we're from either. But you get my point. If you choose to place limitations on yourself, you know, to not work on Sundays or whatever, then that's your choice. And, and I don't have a right to, to have a problem with that. So if we choose to take away, say, freedoms for ourselves, like we, give, we get rid of our personal property and we, we, communal, you know, we communally own everything, but we chose to do it willingly, that's not evil in that we're not trying to force anybody to do it. It would be evil to try to stop us from willingly doing anything that we wanted to do so long as we're not hurting anybody. So... That's what I'm trying to get at is that as soon as people start throwing up words like evil about what we're doing, I'm trying to get through to them that um, there's consenting adults, you know, that are involved in what we're doing, that we believe that um, there, there is no conquering. We think that our idea on its, on its own merit will demonstrate itself that enough people will like to go along with what we're doing. We've seen it in smaller examples in the small communities that do succeed. Some of them fail, but there are ones that are working right now and do succeed. And, and that's kind of our goal is to try to spread awareness to people that, you know, that these technologies, this ability to be independent not only from a state but also from your job, exist. That, that's what we're about in the, in the examples that I gave you. And it's not crazy utopian only in that the technology already does exist. We know that because off the grid living, there's a whole subculture of people who do that. They've got their greenhouses, their hoop houses, 
you know, their uh, geo geothermal heating and cooling systems, you know, their solar power, air power, wind power, whatever, you know, we, they exist. You can look them up on the Internet. You know, if groups of people choose to live like that and get out of the need for money, even on an individual basis, that's what we're trying to say. That needs to be the way that at least we feel would be the best way for the world to go. And when we talk about the world, it's not going to be because tanks rolled down the streets and took everything from the world. Our goal is hopefully, maybe, someday, everybody will agree with what we're doing. And if they do, great. That, that's, that's the end of it. You know, whether you agree that you know, we think it will work, I mean, I don't think that free market capitalism works, but that doesn't mean I think you're evil for believing in it. You know, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, you may not think I'm specifically evil, right? And I don't think you're specifically evil, but I do believe that ideas and ideologies uh, are evil. It's like you're, you're our spokesman for the Venus Project, and you're proselytizing the Venus Project, and I believe you have the right to do that. And if there's a group of like-minded people who are like you that want to raise their children and go do that, I have no problem with that. It's your right as a free moral agent to do that. But I would ask that you would... You know, respect, my, and I think you said you did, uh, respect my right of expression to proselytize my, my sure. uh, religious view of life. So then, you know, I, we, I don't think we're going to ever, you and I will never have a problem. But I would just offer that your way of living where you derive your moral baseline not from God, but from the society right. and the people that you live around, and you don't have an absolute view of the truth. Those are the two things. Where you derive your, derive your moral baseline and the fact that you don't believe there's an absolute view of the truth, I personally reject those two views big time. And so I could never be a part of it. But if you're saying that you'll never try to coerce me and uh, you're a free moral agent, uh, if, you, if anybody in your group would like to hear about, you know, Jesus Christ and the Christianity, I would love to tell them about that and how that, I believe, uh, conflicts with those two things, uh, rewarding, and, uh, rewarding the producers and achievers, moral baseline where you derive it, and an absolute view of the truth. And, and if they would listen to me, I would tell them, and I would hope you would let me tell them. And, and it was the same way as if a, a Christian uh, wants to, you know, come into contact with a bunch of psychiatrists people, and they were to say, hey, we believe we should all share communally. We believe uh, we don't believe there's an absolute view of the truth. Uh, we don't believe that there is a moral baseline derived by God, but we will derive it by, you know, our, our fellow men. And if you can convince the Christian, more power to you. But I would offer that please give me the same right in the society to convince people of, you know, my views. And I... I I'm not at war with you, and even though I did use the word evil to dis describe what I would consider a zeitgeist philosophy of life, that doesn't mean I think you're evil, just like I don't think you think I'm evil, but uh, I hope you're not going to ask me not to use the word evil to describe the zeitgeist philosophy, because I'm very passionate about my belief system. I can tell you're very passionate, uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm allowed to call a philosophy anything I want to. I don't, I'm not oh, yeah, I, well, I can't force you not to use any terminology, but I would hope at least through this conversation that you've probably gotten at least a somewhat better and less evil impression of where we're coming from. <laughs> no, you are a very nice individual, and I respect the fact that during this conversation you have been more than simple. And uh, I came into it, you know, my, my, my fiancé told me that she had communicated with you, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I found, I found it very stimulating, and I learned quite a bit. Uh, I, I, the design guest philosophy is not for me based on those three things, the, and, you know, the moral, the, the moral baseline, where you derive your moral baseline, there is no absolute truth. Yeah. Well, I actually I do believe in the truth, but we think that you can usually find the truth by science. Um, we're actually big believers in the truth. What we don't like is uh, one of our biggest problems is we don't like superstitions. 
um, because people get hurt over superstitions. So, and, and that is, you're implying that I, as a Christian, don't like science. I don't agree with that. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. We okay. believe in truth. This isn't about okay. the zeitgeist versus Christianity. This is about answering your question about truth. We absolutely believe in, in acquiring the truth. Do you believe in an absolute truth? The reason I say that in the zeitgeist addendum, I, I almost positive that you said you, you, you can't have. You can't have absolute truth because um, we can't we cannot measure everything just yet. Okay? That's, but one of the reasons why science we feel is the best system is that in science, if something is proven wrong, science adapts. It absorbs the new information, and then that new information becomes science. There well, are some institutions, yeah. like I'm going to use this as an example, some religious institutions, some political ideologies, when proven wrong, rather than going along with it, and rather than accepting it and absorbing it into their worldview, instead they persecute people who point that out. Take Galileo, the church went after him, okay? Not saying Christians, once again, we've been through that, okay? The church went after him because they didn't like that he was challenging their view. You know, the reason that science we feel is the superior medium is because in a scientific attitude about things, after you can prove that something is wrong, then you absorb the new information. And then, then there's no ego involved in it. And I don't have to continue believing that the world is flat because uh, the Koran told me so. Yeah, and, and, and regarding science, and you're holding up science at a very, very high level. You're holding it up so high that it, it goes above the spirit of man. I would, I would offer back that much more people have been killed in the name of so-called science, you know, the progression of human knowledge with, uh, you know, uh, Hitler's fascination with evolution. We can go into Joseph Stalin and the Paul Pot. They were not religious fanatics, right? So, uh, you know, I understand there's been much evil done in the name of religion. I'm not defending that. And God knows everybody will, you know, I believe that they'll have divine justice in the hereafter. When, when something evil was done in the name of religion, especially like Catholic, uh, Catholic pedophilia priests. But, you know, I hope that the Zeitgeist movement doesn't use all the evil that's done in the name of religion to throw the baby out through the bathwater and to, uh, you know, suppress the real message of Jesus Christ. But having said that, I could, I could come back and... And, and argue that, you know, much more worse evil, Genghis Khan type evil, uh, you know, survival of the fittest to mankind, uh, Hitler's fascination with evolution and wanting to get rid of supposed inferior human beings, uh, you know, all of this stuff was, had nothing to do with religion, but had something to do with progression of humankind in the name of science. And that science is not a tool. Science is not a tool. Are you familiar with where the, the National Socialists, I mean, the, the Nazi Party's ideals, what, what was actually fueling them was the religious belief that the Germans were the master race and were destined to own the world. There was a whole mythology behind what it is they were doing. I studied it. it was, the, the, Ger the, Ger but the Germans were the master race. They wanted to perform eugenics through science and get rid of inferior races. They were believed they were descended from gods. They believed they were descended from the Tawajib. It was it was uh, Darwin's book of evolution that fueled his uh, it, that fueled his belief. Uh, if he did believe he was from God, and there's no problem that you know everyone believes they're a child of God because I believe we are children of God. But it's the, it's the evolution aspect of it that supposedly was the scientific arm that said you know the Jews are an inferior race and, and we're going to help God work by uh, you know wiping them out. So, we're actually down to the last 90 seconds of what will be recorded, but thank you for okay. being on, and um, I hope that, you know, actually, this won't disconnect our phone call. I'll still be able to okay. talk to you after the fact, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know it's kind of gone around in circles, but um, I hope to have this gentleman on again so we can, you know, re-engage in this conversation at a later time. 
Um, you are listening to V Radio. Please visit vradio.org, v-radio.org, and um, there you can check out shows like this, archives of my shows, different videos you can check out. Um, and uh, thanks again for everybody who has supported the show and given donations. You're the reason I continue to do this all the way into 1130 at night. So thanks again, everybody. I will leave you with some words from Jack Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jack Fresco. <laughs> and you're listening to V Radio.